What's up and welcome to number 102 of the Scoped Podcast. Chugging along, I am your host, Jackson Heaton. Thank you so much for being here and checking out Seven Year Witch. I loved these guys. They were just so phenomenal to talk to. Uh, They were just the nicest, the sweetest, some of the sweetest people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. And man, was it an incredible conversation. They did break the record for longest episode on the podcast. I'm sorry to comedian Kyle Porter. I'm sure I will be getting messages from him, him wanting to come on and uh, reclaim his spot as the longest episode. But I really hope you listen to this entire thing, a little over two hours of just pure gold with Seven Year Witch. Talking about crossing the border into Canada, uh, something that the Border Patrol person said that you will never hear from an American Border Patrol officer. Talking about their chances of surviving zombies apocalypse and really detailed plans way more detailed than I thought it would go uh, a meal that you can always count on to, to have your back it's never the best meal in the world but it's always a good meal I mean just everywhere you know seven-year witch they could have made it big if they had only had that one appearance on dr. Phil such an incredible story of course uh, they're about to kick off a tour with Buck Cherry in June but before that they are playing with Atlanta's own Silly Goose and the amazing band the CEO they're going to be at 37 Main Avondale Estates coming up in April on the 23rd you do not want to miss that that is going to be an incredible show and trust me seven year witch they put on a hell of a show doing backflips all their sex appeal it's crazy so let's get into an episode 102 of the scope podcast with Seven Year Witch starts now. And to kick it off, we'll uh, play their latest, their new one, Cyanide. Step into my world. I'm psyched. Let's go.
Check, check. What's up? Check, 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 check. All right, perfect. Oh, man. Nice. My lower back has been killing me the past <laughs> few days. I don't know if that's because I'm about to be 33 or what. Is that a... Uh, it's dad vibes. The, yeah, the dad sitting in. It is the dad sitting in. Yeah. Annoyed, man. I used, to, I used to be so fit. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that a Limp Biscuit song? Dad vibes? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the new do. one they put out. That's yeah. a good song. It actually kicks ass. Yeah. I was playing the other night. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Can't live I love well. that yeah. All about it. I like how he kind of like reinvented his uh, swagger. Yeah. What's his name? And uh, Limp Bizkit. Yeah, yeah. Durst. Yeah, he went full dad. <laughs> he went full. <laughs> yeah. that Tropic Thunder movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never go. You, you never, never go, go full, full retired. That's <laughs> 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 that would be such an offensive movie. Uh, today, if it was made, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> when did that come out? God, probably like 2008, somewhere. A simpler time. For some reason, I still feel like 2008 was only like four years ago. <laughs> I don't know why. I agree. Yeah. Dude, time has just like flown by. I remember oh, yeah. when you're it's talking, you got to be right up on the microphone. You got to be loud. Yeah. All righty. Okay. You got to make love to it. Okay. Ooh. okay. And if there's something I know about Seven Year Witch, you probably know how to make some love to a microphone. Dang right. Uh, you have or to talk to Aaron about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But All I'll, the above. I will say this. I will say this. Movies are not made like they used to. Like, you would never see, uh, they don't make Anchormans anymore or like old schools or certain type of movies where it's, they kind of are... A lot of movies back in the day used to be a little more, um, I don't want to say offensive, but they pushing were the envelope. Pushing know? the envelope. Yeah. And they will now. Like Tropic Thunder. I just could never see that movie being made today. <laughs> no. I think it goes beyond that. It's just you won't see anything original made anymore. You know, everybody's making a reboot or a remake of some sort of movie. Nobody's writing an original script or story yeah. anymore. You know, where's the newest Harry Potter? You know, who's yeah. the new. Whoever you know, no I have never seen anything. Harry Potter in my life, but I do love Lord of the Rings. Same. Thank you so much. Where, the Hobbit uh, as well. Yes, the Hobbit as well. Oh yes. my gosh, give me, okay. give me all of that. Like I could watch the two, uh, two Towers, Lord yes. of the Rings, the Two Towers, or Absolutely. any of those Fellowship of the Ring or Return of the King. Yes, I could watch all. Day. I do that Same. yearly. That's a yearly thing for me. Is the Hobbit into Lord of the Rings? Yes. Yeah, you know, I need I, to. I used do one to, of those marathons. I <laughs> used to rewatch Lord of the Rings just to catch things I may have not catched before. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly how the Lord of the Rings goes. Yes. Very you watch that, and you'll see character interactions or character meanings that you did not see before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're really nerding out on Lord of the Rings right I now. I really could. I really could. And there's that new Lord of the Rings series coming out from Amazon. Have you seen that? Oh, yes. Rings of Power, or whatever it is. Um, curious to see that. Apparently, they don't have in- the entirety of the rights to any of the Tolkien stuff, so it's like vaguely Tolkien-esque. Yeah, yeah. and it, it kind of, when I saw it was an Amazon thing, I was like, oh, no, Bezos has a hand in this. So <laughs> it kind of bothered me because Tolkien's so sacred, but... What you do is you make a bunch of free trials using different emails, and you don't have to give them any money for it. I... That's that's <laughs> it. Now, there's one of my problems. You're saying, you know, yes, we know the Amazon thing is coming out about yes. Lord of the Rings. Leave it alone. 
Yeah. Leave yeah. it alone. Let it, let it be. Right. And people My are talking about exactly. just from the early concept art and stuff that they're like, oh, this doesn't feel Tolkien. And it's because I guess what y'all are saying is that there's not there's not maybe the full rights there or something like yeah. that to do some of the things they need to you do. You can't expand fully on the story. Yeah. And it, yeah. Lord of the Rings is so precious. As, uh, my precious. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like if you can't do it right, do not do it. That's Please, the way I see it. for the love of God, don't do it. Yes. If there's some things you can't touch on or you can't, like, expand on... Don't do it. Like, The yep. Lord of the Rings is such a perfect trilogy. I agree. Exactly. It, I... it Like, it comes together, I think, in such a cinematic way that hasn't been done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think it's a beautiful series. Because, like, I've seen people, they'll complain a lot. You'll see, like, oh, Frodo, he wasn't even necessary. Like, Samwise could have done that entire journey by himself. And then Tolkien was like, he's like, that's the point. Like, the hero isn't perfect. The hero couldn't do it. The hero needed his friends. What does that say about life? You know what I mean? I think that's awesome. Exactly. It's, not, it's not like Frodo was awesome and he just kicked a bunch of butt and he trotted up the mountain. It's like, no, he needed his friends. Exactly. But I, I love the Boromir part of it yeah. and that whole aspect that comes into play in the Two Towers mm -hmm. and uh, his relationship with Frodo and the ring. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm getting too excited right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a film minor in college. Uh, yeah. I love talking film. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. If I've seen it, I'll talk it. That's a big, uh, another passion of ours. I think if we weren't musicians in this life, uh, we'd be directors because we get, we have too much fun making videos and making promos, any of these types of things. Especially like music videos? Oh, oh yeah, God. directing is something we love to do when it comes to not doing music. Yes. Y'all talked about TikTok. Do you get really into TikTok and all the things that you can do with videos? Extremely. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's, uh, that ha that's where we actually have the biggest uh, follower count is TikTok because, you know, we don't stick strictly to music on there. We'll do funny stuff on there as well, and that, you know, gets you more followers and such, so... We, we try to add our personality and our... Now, I, I see these videos on there of, like, I guess you can do, like, 15-second videos or 10-second videos, like little clips, and then make it all into one. Yeah. Um, Don't make no sense, man. Don't make no sense. Yeah, it's like man. a very, very expediated YouTube. It's like if, if YouTube and Instagram were one, they want you to just... When you get, like, a million views on something, that seems so monumental, but it's not the same monumental as you would on YouTube because, like... If my video is 15 seconds, that didn't take you a whole lot of effort as a viewer to watch my video. Whereas if you watched my seven-minute video on YouTube, that just made me a ton of money. Like, we're in the creator fund of TikTok, which you have to have X amount of followers or something like that. But you'd be surprised. Like, we have a few videos with millions of views. And one's even got 12 million views and, like, 6 million likes or something. I think we made $200 from that. Whereas if that was YouTube, that would be serious money. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, we've got a uh, YouTube is a whole nother thing because they have a certain criteria you have to meet to be uh, monetized. Mm. We haven't met it yet, even though we've got you know tens of thousands of views on all of our music videos. Isn't it two thousand followers on YouTube that you have that you can start getting compensated for? You have to have a thousand followers, oh. and I'm sorry, a thousand subscribers and four hundred hours of watch time. But that does not include shorts, which is basically their version of TikTok, which we have millions of views on. We've gotten millions of views through YouTube shorts, mm. but that the watch hours accumulated through that 
don't count towards what they will, you know, allow you to be monetized through. I think that's unfair too. Yeah, it's absolutely unfair yeah. because it suits, man. Exactly, because yeah. if I go on a uh, YouTube app on my TV and click a short, that app on my TV doesn't recognize that it's not just a normal video. It'll play an ad on there. So they're making money through that, but they won't share it with us even though we've got well past the you know allotted watch hours we need to have on YouTube. They won't count those watch hours because, oh, that's shorts. That's different than videos. We might get some back pay one day. We you really need that? to. Because it's still like beta, isn't it? Like YouTube shorts, it's like yeah. very new. So like if somebody makes a big enough fuss, we might make some money. What I'm that. saying is YouTube owes us a lot of money, and I will destroy them. If anybody's <laughs> listening, if anybody's listening, yeah. these guys mean business. Yeah, we, you know, we were talking when we were getting beers before this about music being a business, right? You know, so yeah, many bands... Especially ones that are just coming up. They just think sex, drugs, rock and roll, right? They just see the yeah. fun. But, and I don't mean this in a bad way. When you look at you guys playing all that, or, you know, the long hair and the tattoos, they're like, mm. oh, these guys are just like, you know, they don't take this seriously. This is just, they're mm. just doing this for fun. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that's the image we got gotta sell yeah. y'all look like y'all yeah. they are only out there to you know because y'all are such an amazing band i'm not i'm not taking anything away from your live mm. show but you think oh they're just going out there and doing that when you, we were talking about how music is a business y'all were like going into numbers and how like you 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 crunch numbers yeah. uh at the end of a show business excites us more so than partying i think i mean we're just we're all kind of nerds yeah. especially our bass player spencer he loves the numbers we're all kind of geeks over that stuff. Yeah, at the end of the night, you think you'll end up with a beer in your hand when really you've got your phone with the calculator app open, being like, okay, we sold this many shirts, that's yeah. this much per shirt, okay, blah, blah, blah. Then you got to multiply that by, you know, pi and whatever the hell. Yeah. It's- when you see the growth, it's hard not to obsess over it. And it's like, wait. Exactly. After all these years, something's right. Is happening, and then during the day you got to study how certain social media algorithms work, and this and that, and then figure That's out how to one. apply them to your brand. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that, episode number one hundred and two of the Scoped Podcast with the incredible guys that I am so excited to have on this podcast. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm fangirling a little bit over Seven Year Witch. Woohoo! Oh yeah, we're Happy fangirling over you, man. Uh, yeah. And who do we have here from Seven Year Witch? My name is Seth Burton. I am the drummer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Bo Anderson, uh, and I am the guitar player of Seven Year Witch. And who are we missing from Seven Year Witch? We're missing our bass player, who is my brother. His name is Spencer Burden. He looks a lot like me. You, it's it's up for debate who's sexier. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're missing our singer, Aaron Langford, who, uh, based on girls' comments, is the hottest. And we'll just put it out there. He's the one that does the flip. Yeah, he's he does. The, he does yeah. the backflip. Hey, yeah, we're does there. that give him a little more uh, edge with the women? Yes, probably. <laughs> no, pe- people people love that. It's a party trick. And he, you know what's funny is he hates it. Like <laughs> he does. He wants to stop <laughs> yeah. because he's he like hates the backflip. Yeah, he's like, well, people expect it. I don't want them to expect it. I'll, he, I guess he's on. I, I kind of feel this. Every show needs to be different, so it's like a staple. People know it's coming. They pull their phones up. But like, I'm like, bro. People love that. It's such people a people tip s- us for it. Yeah, yes, yeah, like pe- uh, yeah. it is. It, it is definitely a thing you expect now because at the show that I emceed, um, mm-hmm. where was that? Was that center stage? 
and uh, with resist and bite. And I was like, he's going to do it. 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 He's gonna do it. He's gonna <laughs> is he not sore afterwards? No. Uh, he's yeah. Aaron Strange. He don't. How old is, is he? Uh, 24. 26? No. 26, yeah. yeah. Do you think women make him do that in the bedroom or at some point during the interaction? I would not doubt it. I played the fifth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's funny, like, uh, you know, we we're talking about shorts and TikTok and whatnot, you know. We, uh, you know, we have a video of him doing a backflip we posted on TikTok before and YouTube shorts and whatnot. And, you know, it'll get, like, millions of views. It'll have more views than a lot of other things we do. Now, read some comments every now and It's very sparse, you know, every now and then. Somebody will be like, oh, HR from the Bad Brains did this before. And be like, oh, so big big deal, he did a backflip. And it's like, yeah, we don't care that he did a backflip, <laughs> but for some reason, y'all will only give us attention if you see a backflip. Yeah, it's people weird. think that if you do the flip, you have then said that we have pioneered the flip. We've a lot never of people have done backflips, man. Yeah, yeah, we've never said like like Paramore, their their basis. Somebody does a flip. Twenty One Pilots does a flip. Bad bad, bad brains does a flip. Yeah. Uh, Fever three 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 does a flip. I mean, uh, I love Fever three three three. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just like we we never claim to have invented it. It's not it's, like he's saying. Yeah. By the way, before I do this, everyone, this is from me. I invented this entire movement. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. the first one to do this on a stage ever. But for some <laughs> reason, our Blur cover doesn't get. 2.3 million views on YouTube. So mm. here's a backflip. Yeah. Don't you just hate the keyboard warriors, man? The people that just <laughs> have that just have to say it to say it. Yeah. Like just yeah. To, be, to be seen. They're kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Like there was, there, I put a video of me playing my uh, acrylic drums. And uh, they look like the John Bonham Ludwig Vista lights, and they're not. They're a, a copy. They're like a D drum version of that for our cheap drummer version. people. Yeah, the cheaper, affordable, half year which version? Yeah, the the half as much version. But people in the comments could not get over the fact that it wasn't a uh, the the real deal, the Ludwig Vista light. They were like. Bonham would have played the Vista light. You, that ain't the Vista light. Those aren't Peisty symbols. And I'm like, I never said they were. We can't afford those things. I was like, that's not the point of the video. I was trying to show you that I can play. <laughs> crazy out there. You say you're not signed to a label yet. Blows my mind. Because if you see your live show and the way the crowd reacts to your show, mm -hmm. you think you guys would be headlining festivals right now? Um, I think it... Um, took us some time to get to the uh I, I i'm not even going to say that we're impressive or something but if, if if someone were to think we're impressive this this was actually a little bit of an uphill battle to get to this point i think we are at uh our strongest point we are now mm -hmm. and i think people are really starting to take notice now it's a very exciting time especially this summer doing you know going cross country going to california um yeah, I think there's some really big stuff like that in store. We've had some smaller labels show some interest, but we, uh, I think we all know we have something special, and we don't want to turn it over to just anybody. So, yeah, I think it's, the day is coming. Somebody's going to give us that attention. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as it is right now, we are have seen and are still seeing a certain amount of growth that we're happy with and we're comfortable with, and, you know, we're not just going to, you know— signed to anybody you know it, not that we're getting a bunch of attention or you know offers or anything but you know we don't really feel we need anything just yet and that might change or whatever or we might get a deal that's so good you can't turn it down but you know we're we're pretty happy independent at the moment well isn't that the nice problem thing. some bands that are so money hungry and they just want 
that you know that label backing, no matter who yes. it is. Isn't that the problem? They they get oh hey we'll sign you, and then it's like boom. Of course, of course they don't do their research. They don't yes. do reading. Isn't that and the a problem? Yeah. It is. And the label then when you get label hungry like that, and you're not really you're not really being proactive and stuff. It's like they'll own your merch, which is like. Su- like financial suicide in a way because that I mean you I mean we've seen on the road merch is everything where we might make two hundred and fifty dollars on a uh, you know just opening up for whoever but then you make two grand in merch imagine if you didn't own that and you were only given a percentage of it that's dangerous and that's something that Metallica was really smart about is they own their merchandising they they told their label I guess whoever you know hopped on them first. Uh, I guess Metallica had, was so proactive that they owned the printing, the merchandising, everything, and they were like, you can have us as a band, but you won't touch our merch. So any piece of Met- Metallica memorabilia you buy now goes to Metallica and not through anyone else, which is uh, so impressive. And that's yeah. probably such a rarity in the music business, having that kind of clout where they were, you know, having that kind of deal. Yeah. That, the almighty Metallica, let me just say. Yeah. I, I can only hope by the time we have something major that we can – at least, I know it won't be great, but it makes something fair out of the merch because that's so huge. I love Metallica so much. And uh, last time they were in Atlanta with Greta and Cage. That's uh, uh, Interesting lineup. But yeah, I, wish I, I, I wish I had you, seen it. You should have seen those Southern uh, redneck Metallica fans watching Cage the Elephant <laughs> and this bald, tall dude that had like a, camp, like a, uh, a Southern flag or Confederate flag <laughs> shirt on. Cage is up there on stage. He looks at his wife. He's standing right in front of him. He goes, that's beautiful we just opened for a struggle jennings the rapper country (laughs) rapper uh, in mississippi yeah Yeah. we got some interesting looks but we are thankfully able to win over that audience and that's that's the big thing i was wearing a shirt with sequins on it on stage we walk out there i could see some faces like and then afterwards one dude was like no i didn't i i didn't know what to think of y'all first seen your sequin shirt and whatnot but Y'all are pretty all right, man. <laughs> yeah, we like, were. We did our job. We rode the lightning on that one a little bit because <laughs> somebody, somebody in a a patched vest, like definitely in some like Hell's Angels recognized motorcycle club or something like that. He had came up to Aaron and made a comment about his skinny jeans. He was like, "Oh, I, I didn't know if I was gonna be into it when I saw y'all wearing women's jeans." And he was like, "But let me get a picture with y'all or something like that." And then Aaron was like, "Oh, it's all cool. I got them from your mama." <laughs> <laughs> and that dude just laughed it off. But and I wanted- could have gone a completely one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I even told Aaron, I was like, I was like, the mama stuff, bro. Like he laughed, but somebody might have lost their mind over there. Oh, you could have uh, easily uh, had some knives in your face, or uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that night. We signed two different people's cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. So we did pretty all right. Have y'all ever gotten comparisons to like Greta or Dirty Honey? Yes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we were actually at Bush Gardens thanks to a friend of ours named Wendy who got us in. She works there. Uh, We were actually walking to the front of this line and somebody said, Honey. That's Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> and our singer's like, half of them don't even have long hair. <laughs> what? Yeah. But I yeah. think that's purely an aesthetic thing, people comparing oh, yeah. us. Because if you listen to if you really dive into it, the music, I, I don't I don't hear the similarities to Greta Van Fleet with us um as much, unless I'm just missing something. But yeah, you see young guys and that are clearly in a band, you might think Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, Greta Van Fleet, and I've said it so many times, they really revolutionized the rock genre. They came along 
And rock was stagnant for a long time. Mm-hmm. With when I'm talking mainstream bands, you had like the Disturbs, the Corns, the Breaking Benjamins, making still a great great music for mm-hmm. a lot through the 2010s. And please tell me if y'all disagree with me on this. Um, Greta Van Fleet came along, and it was kind of that new blood yeah. that had yeah. been missing from rock for a while. Like when they came out with uh, Anthem of the Peaceful Army, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, oh, there's finally a new band that's you know really yeah. hitting the mainstream. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't speak as like a fan of theirs because I'm not gonna lie, I haven't listened to like their full albums or anything. I only know like one or two songs, mm-hmm. but I know that they have certainly had an effect. And I think that they, in as you were saying, revolutionized. I think a big part of that is that they broke through to a younger audience with, you know, kind of a basically old rock sound. They came with a copy and paste, almost like 60s, 70s rock sound Mm -hmm. and broke through to a younger audience and got younger people to listen to them. So I think that's a very big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll forever defend Greta Van Fleet because this is what it seemed like to me is that there was a group of people that, you know, truly do love rock and roll music. They were like, man, if only there was a band that, like, brought kids, you know, like, show kids that, like, the classic rock is, like, you know, it's cool and bring them into that world and stuff like that. And then Greta Van Fleet comes along and does just that. And they bring younger people, younger than us, into that world of classic rock. And those same people that longed for that have something against Greta Van Fleet. And they're like, oh, they sound just like Zeppelin. And it's like, well, they're bringing a, a generation of people that were probably missing out on that into this world people you know that, I mean? that older generation always says oh they don't make rock like they used to yeah well you know then this band comes along and yeah. they 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 kind of they have that concept but they put their own spin on yeah, it yeah i agree I think people are never fucking pleased man no i never not. happy no no exactly. no yeah and i think red van <laughs> fleet fleet they they strayed from the active rock thing kind of like you're saying with like corn and disturb and stuff like that they strayed pretty heavily from active rock but they still like it's almost mind-boggling how well they developed. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, people really were picking up what they were throwing down, and that might be su- the really heavy Zeppelin influence in the sound and stuff like that because that's timeless. But, uh, yeah, it's actually amazing they've done as well as they have. Hey, man, people can hate on them all they want. They they did the festivals. They, you know, they, they took it all the way to the bank. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I will never uh... – I don't know if you're allowed to curse, but I will oh, never yeah, yeah. I will never shit on them for what they've done because, you know, they're playing arenas and we're not. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully we're also playing arenas at some point, but I'm never going to talk badly on them because, you know, they've done something impressive. And I have talked to a lot of bands who say, who agree with people like, oh, they ripped off Zeppelin and they hate on him. And I say, well, you know what? Either you're jealous or, you know, something because you have, even if you don't necessarily like a band, you have to respect the work ethic or the, you know, success exactly. that a band's had. Yeah, and yeah. I want to guarantee those guys, too, working with songwriters, if they got pushed in a Zeppelin direction, I guarantee they're not sitting there, like, with some malice in their heart going, <laughs> uh, we're ripping off Zeppelin, we're going to make so much money. Somebody might have, a songwriter that is getting paid as a part of that team might have pushed them in that direction, and they're making the absolute best of it. And I don't think there's anything that I've ever heard by them where I think it's a blatant ripoff. I can show you yeah. 10 bands right now that Seven Year Witch sounds just like. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that we're ripping them off. It's just like there's, you know, you got heavy influences, yeah. and that definitely shines through sometimes. Like maybe their tones are, you know, similar to Zeppelin. Maybe the singer sounds like Robert Plant when he's singing up high or whatever. But, you know, from what I can tell, you know, their uh, riffs are all their own. 
parts are all their own. I, I haven't, you know, listened to a Greta Van Fleet song. Like I said earlier, granted, I've not listened to a lot of them. But, you, you know, I've, I've never... Go check out something. It's yeah, good. I should. And, uh, but never have I sat there and been like, wait a second, that's Ramble On. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um... I really respect them and what they did, but yeah. that's neither here nor there because yeah. there are the genre now has opened up so much and bands that are coming through. Like, uh, I don't know if you've heard the new one from Jelly Roll, Dead Man Walking. Oh, we were just talking about Jelly Roll the we other really day. Were, yeah. Jelly Roll, I, I need to dive into the world of Jelly Roll. This guy's the biggest Waffle House fan you will ever meet in your life. Uh, uh, he hasn't met us yet. <laughs> no, this guy is like, it's Cross two all-star specials every time he goes. Oh, okay, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> I, I can fit about one of those. He, he's a very large person, I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, he's got but, the surface area for yeah. it, for sure. But, but yeah, his fan base is fanatic. It's crazy. What is so smart about him, he has a song on our station, Rock 100.5, and he also has a song on the country station right across from us. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like to, to be able to have two songs in two different genres on the radio, that's a huge thing. Absolutely. There's money in that right there in the country music angle. Oh, yeah. Man's making his money. And, like, you know, hitting that much of a demographic with, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and both of these songs are on the same album. And it's like, that's not seen very often where you cross over like that. Oh, yeah. One of the only bands I can think of that, like, truly successfully was able to cross genres flawlessly on the same album even was Queen. Mm -hmm. They're one of the only bands that were able to be like, here's a funk song, also here's a... Here's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, you know? <laughs> oh, man, that was the greatest film. Oh, yeah. That was such yeah. a great film. Yeah, I like that a lot. And another thing about Jelly Roll, while we're on the, <laughs> <laughs> while we're on the subject. Sorry, we got deep into Jelly Roll the oh, other like day, so blew, we were doing a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, this blew my mind. When we opened for Struggle Jennings, we did two shows with him. The and um, this this I'm not saying anything negative about Struggle Jennings, but the loudest applause of the entire night is when Struggle Jennings acknowledged the fact that he works with Jelly Roll. He'd be like, yeah, this track, I worked, ah, something like this, like, I worked on this track with my man Jelly Roll. I, like, the floor moved. Like, really? like The concrete floor shook. Like, oh, people love him. It's passed out. Yeah, like, he's like the, I mean, I'm not saying he's like the Beatles of his genre, but I'm like, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I need to do a dive on Jelly Roll because he's doing something so right. You know? I mean, the guy has an incredible backstory of like struggle, like real struggle in his yeah. life. And uh, I think in the song Dead Man Walking, he says, and I give praise to the waffle or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, he but... might turn me into a fan with just that one line. Hell yeah. I mean, how many nights have, how many, how many nights have we all been at Waffle House at oh, 3 a.m.? Oh. You ain't from the Southeast unless you spend at least like half the nights of the year at a Waffle House. Yeah, if you I hadn't mean, been shot. You're not from yeah. the South unless you know a great meal or, a, you know, a decent meal is always exactly. at Waffle House. Oh, yeah. It's it's gonna, there's that, always a Waffle House within walking distance of every Waffle House. It's mm-hmm. never going to be the best meal you've ever had, but it's always going to be a good meal. Oh, it's yeah. It's there for you. Yeah, yeah. It's there for you when you need it. You know, and they'll ring you up a little bit different every time. The price is going gonna to vary a little bit, but you know what? That waffle, that's that's going to be the one constant in your life. People come and go, that waffle. <laughs> that don't waffle play. and the loaded hash brown. Yeah, yeah exactly. that waffle's there for you. <laughs> waffle don't play like that. And you can always talk to life with a Waffle House Employee. Oh my exactly. God! Yeah, they've lived it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Seth, yeah. what is a cause that's worth dedicating your life to? A cause is de- de- uh, worth dedicating your life to. Um, uh, I would. I. I'm gonna say from personal experience, rock and roll and uh, drumming. Um, it's a. 
personally, you can say that, but you can't say that because you do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's that's a my angle. What's a no. cause that's worth a cause a, like uh, childhood obesity or feeding the hungry? Or oh, okay. In this, anything, in this angle, any okay. cause that you believe in? Oh, that I believe in. Oh my goodness, that's a. What okay. is something that Seth dedicates his life? Oh goodness, what is a cause? What's Seth important to you? Holy <laughs> moly, that's a big one. Let me think about that for a second. Bo, you want to go first? Can I think? My goodness, uh, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Either you know. Bringing happiness to others or destruction. Either one, you know? <laughs> Polar those are both, opposites, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it depends on the mood one's in, you know? Yeah. I think those are worthy costs. Oh, they, 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 they're both two wings on the same bird almost. Exactly. Yeah. One could I'm, say I'm going to be a good citizen and say childhood obesity. Childhood you know? obesity, that's yeah. That's a great cause, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's very, yeah. Uh, that's, that's very, uh, I'm, a very, I'm a very healthy person. I, yeah. I try to be, so I mean, yeah, yeah. We I try to be, but at the same time, we live in a van on, <laughs> on a touring band <laughs> We're going to get budget. into the van. We're gonna, we, yeah. we talked about the van during beers. We're going to get into the yeah, van. I, you know what? I, I'll give you this. Cyberbullying. That's it's messed a great up. cause. It's, it's messed yeah. up because you know what? It's like, it affects you deeply. Words affect you deeply. The no. pen, the pen is mightier than the sword. I thought you were talking about like dedicating your life to cyberbullying. No, yeah, no, like that's what I'm saying. I'm going to bully you on the internet. Encouraging all the no. cyberbullies. If there's a way that we could swing some type of angle to help, uh, not help cyberbullying as the bullies, but no, help stop it. It's a problem because I like people comment on our stuff and I laugh, but I ain't gonna lie. The, the smallest little pride kind of it, it, it prickles sometimes, you know. There, like the same thing. Like there will be people yeah. that'll comment about my show and be like, there will be the person yeah. that's like, ah, oh, that song sucks that you played, or you suck, or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, I know it's just words, but it does hurt. Yeah. And like yeah. you think about like you know kids and like you know I can't imagine being in grade school in today's world being a kid with like oh, you know no. I can't I can't imagine like um, the first iPad didn't come out till I was a Sophomore in college. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I can't imagine, like, how much words will hurt or, like, you know, someone posts something on Facebook, putting themselves out there. Like, we put ourselves out there all the time, you guys with your music, yeah. me with the radio. So we're kind of opening ourselves up to that possible criticism. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's like, you see a lot of celebrities, they say they don't even read their comments because they can't. Because if you look at some of these things, like, you would you would stop doing what you're doing if you saw that amount of negativity. You know what I mean? It scares the hell out of me that there's, like, you know, we grew up, you know, we're younger, but, you know, we grew up in a time where that wasn't, like, all-encompassing, where online life wasn't all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole generation of people that are going to grow up only knowing, like, the world of social media mm-hmm. and online yeah. life. That will be their entire existence. They will have never have known a life outside of that. We're probably one of the last generations. Like, when I was a child, you know, there was no I mean, there were computers. There was no home computer. Yeah. There, w- there was a home phone, but, like, phones weren't this, like, whatever you could call this, like, <laughs> monstrosity that's <laughs> that I'm addicted to. Yeah, uh, it's, that's weird to think of. Like, you know, our generations and probably maybe a year or two after, they're not going to know any different. Than we actually know the literal meaning of hang up the phone. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I had dial-up internet when I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, Mom, get off the phone! I'm trying to get on AOL Instant Messenger! Because <laughs> I'm trying to think, I mean, this is very roundabout, but the, people were probably having... Uh, home computers and internet in the year of probably 2000 I'd imagine yeah maybe maybe even a little sooner no cuz we had a we had a windows 95 
So I guess at some point my dad was on the computer and not. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. And when you turned it on, it went. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. God. I should try to watch porn on my download internet. And like, you know, I did dude, find some stuff on that computer. <laughs> dude, I, was, I crashed two computers in high school because I downloaded so much free porn off LimeWire. Yeah, oh, <laughs> LimeWire. Oh, goodness gracious. There was one time on the family computer I was looking at porn, and my mom <laughs> walked in the room, and I didn't know what to do. And so I, I didn't – I thought it would break the computer if you just turned off the computer. So I turned off the monitor. And I like, so all she'd have to do is turn the monitor back on. Oh, and God. like, I literally like almost cried. I was so scared. But she was just in there doing cl- like folding some clothes or some stuff. It's bad. My mom, my mom told me, she, this is how my mom scared me. Yeah. Because uh, a guy from our church that fixed electronics was coming out to fix, see if he could fix Ooh. my computer. Oh, and my mom knew why I crashed the computer, obviously. And she's like, Jackson, he's going to go through your hard drive and he's going to be able to see every website you've been to. So you might need to go tell him so he knows. <laughs> and so I went up to this electrician from my church and I was like, I visited wedolivestogether.com. It's a lesbian <laughs> site. I visited nvip.com. And so I'd be like, all this. And he's like, I don't need to know that. And my mom laughed my mom so hard. He's, he's like, like, first off, gosh. me too. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I subscribe to that every month. He's like, I am on X Hamster. A similar thing to that, not porn related, but in my first apartment I lived in on my own down on Deering Street in Midtown. Oh, yeah. Me and my roommate were trying to figure out what we were going to name our Wi-Fi and we chose Grandma's Left Nut. <laughs> and then like a month later, some dude had to come out to fix it, and he had to ask us to our face, which one is y'all's uh, connection? I, we both had to say, Grandma's Left Nut. I was like, <laughs> what? Grandma's <laughs> Left Nut. <laughs> that's a dang good one. You know uh, 1660 Peachtree, the apartments? Oh, yeah, that's right around the corner from that's where That's the first live. apartment I lived in when I really? moved to Atlanta in 2012. Loved that area, man. I talk, loved talk. it there. Oh, yeah. Used to go oh, there all the time, man. man. I love that. That that was the best times was in that. I lived in a, uh, it's called the Atlantic Loring. Yeah. Loring, Atlantic, whatever it's called. They probably changed the name by now. But, yeah, that was that was home base for a long time. Yeah. I love that place. And then uh, you had that, that great mellow mushroom right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, um, R. Thomas. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, I love that place. The birds and everything. Birds. Oh, my God. The $7 orange juice. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, so get this, get this. When my brother and I, we lived in Buckhead for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, he, my, I was dating my wife at the time, and she was over, and we just wanted to have a chill night. My brother says, hey, I'm going to our Thomas. Y'all want to go? And we're like, nah, we're chilling out. We got a bottle of wine and all that. I'm the biggest Adam Sandler fan in the fucking world, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I would just scream like a 13-year-old girl if I ever saw him. <laughs> <laughs> My brother by himself at R. Thomas at like one in the morning. Adam Sandler had just got done doing something on uh, NBA on TNT here in Atlanta, something like that. And so the next day he wakes up and he tells me. He, he walks into the kitchen and he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I figured y'all would be asleep. Adam Sandler was sitting uh, a, two tables down from me at R. Thomas. Oh and you know R. Thomas is very close together. It's not like yeah. this like wide restaurant. Yeah, fucking, you can overhear everybody around you. Lived a mile and a half from R. Thomas at the time. And he goes, oh yeah, and this was like, a, like one o'clock in the morning. And Jason's, my brother Jason's like, yeah, I saw Adam Sandler and I thought about calling you, but I've just figured you'd be asleep. Oh, I still... God. Hold resentment towards my brother to this day because he was a <laughs> Adam Sandler was a mile and a half from my 
uh, apartment. And my brother didn't call me. To yeah, come. you could be like, you know what? The phone call would wake me up. And I, I was would, awake. Yeah, I was awake yeah. at one o'clock. We were watching, like, me and my wife were watching movies or whatever. And and just, I mean, he showed me the picture he took of Adam Sandler there, and I I have never been more upset in my life. Than yeah. Anything. <laughs> no, and that's the thing with celebrities. Like, I, I know some people don't like to be approached and this and that, but at the end of the day, the celebrity is on the on the fans payroll in a way Mm -hmm. like i mean the only reason they have these lavish lives and things is because the every men like us that just so happen to care so if i see somebody and i want to make an interaction i I try not to think twice about it because i mean if they want to be a jerk they can be a jerk as the day is long but i'm like you i don't feel like they have the ground if i'm being unreasonable they have the grounds you know what i mean we caused their success we deserve to say hi you're on our payroll that's why like i'm not saying we're like huge or anything but if somebody comes up to us at a show or something or you know if somehow they recognize us outside of you know us being on stage or whatever i'm not going to be a dick to somebody because you know they they're the only reason that i'm able to do this for a living or i'm not doing it for a living i'm breaking even right now but you know what i mean you know they're the only reason i'm able to do it reasonably so i'm gonna you know give them all i've got to give right there you know not only on stage but off stage you know that being said, anytime I've met somebody that's, you know, famous or from the TV or whatever, I, I've i never, like, acknowledged what they've, you know, that they're a TV person. I'll just try to talk to them as a, like, yeah. I don't recognize them. Well, mm-hmm. Interesting I, take. I feel like so many celebrities you wouldn't spot in person because, you know, you see some celebrities, they look so different when they don't have the makeup on. But Adam yeah. Sandler is one of those guys you're like, that's you Adam Sandler. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and, and it's like when I go to local shows uh, here in Atlanta, if a local band wants to come up and say, hey, I have a song, I want to send you for your show, I'm not, I, of course I'm going to be like, of, of course, of course. I mean, as, mm-hmm. you know, small and minuscule as I am, you know, I just like, you know, if you want to take the time to, you know, be if you want to be on my show – and you have the the music for it. Of course, I want to I want to hang out. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I was telling y'all. I believe radio people in a band should be on an even level. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate the hell out of that. We did so much talking pre-show that I was worried. I was like, oh gosh, we're gonna come in here. We're not gonna have shit to say. No, we did all the we did all the talking over beers. I still want to get into the touring van. Oh but yeah. First, I want to ask y'all, how would y'all do in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, Lordy have mercy. Okay, so it's easy to say you think you'd do good, but yeah, how once many, you start digging into it, it's a little more Yeah. Difficult. Okay. So how many acres would you say that your family has, Bo, on y'all's property? Uh my house is on three acres and then we own the three acres next to it. So okay. six acres. My family has four. And we're moving in. Uh my, my parents live on those four acres. And me and my brother are moving a single wide trailer on part of those four acres. So I feel like acreage, uh, it plays into the zombie ap- apocalypse, first and foremost. Um, the supplies angle, you know, that's where we would come into a huge problem. We don't have, we, we wouldn't, it was just say it started tonight. I don't have enough food at home to last me more than a few days. That'd be a big issue. I would struggle with that. The weaponry. Would you, would you eat a zombie if it was dead? Uh, it depends on whether Ooh. or not it, can still transmit whatever disease creates yeah. zombieism. Yeah. Uh, I've through, never heard zombieism. Yeah. Yeah. I might have coined a term on this show right Let's now. Let's say it didn't. Would you eat it? Yeah. 
Oh, it, yeah. Because, it's you know. Routine, it's yeah. It's easy to say you won't, but when you're in a moment when old have to comes around, yeah. you're going to. I'm going to go ahead and say I'd, ha- I'd have to because like, we have just, I mean, we got some canned stuff at home, but I can't see us surviving more than a week if we were held up at home. Okay, you I'm going to, our singer Aaron is not here, but he has done a lot of thinking on this topic. And uh, I will try to recite as much as he has, you know, told us riding in the van on our long drives that one of his strategies, which I think is genius and I would follow along in, is uh, that he wouldn't go directly for a grocery store or Walmart. He wouldn't go target a mall to try to take over. He tried to target a hardware store such as a Home Depot or a Lowe's. I personally think that's genius because you have most of the materials within that store yeah. that you would need to plant food, also defend yourself okay. and build uh, you know, shelter and on and on and et cetera. Uh, you know, you could set up a rooftop garden on top of that yeah, Lowe's yeah. with the, you know, soil and plentiful fertilizer that you have in the garden section of a Lowe's or Home <laughs> yeah. Depot. Um, That's a lot of space to occupy too, which scares me because like yeah. there, there's there's so many entries. Fewer entries that you'd have to defend. And you have a lot of weapons at your disposal. Exactly. You do. You do. A spade can decapitate a, a zombie from, you know, a few feet away. I'd say if it started, yeah, grocery stores are out. Everybody and their grandma's heading mm-hmm. the grocery store to occupy the Walmart, grocery store. Forget it. Yeah. Right. Um, Lowe's though, everybody's at Home Depot. Yeah. Lowe's. Lowe's, Lowe's for pros. Yeah. Lowe's exactly. for pros. Yeah. <laughs> Pro zombie murderers. I'm not gonna say I would. I don't think I would dominate. I wouldn't be like Negan from The Walking Dead. I wouldn't dominate. I don't think. I just don't think I have enough at my disposal, especially weaponry. I don't have enough. We- I, we have a few guns. You know, uh, that, between us, my dad and I own 125. See, guns. like you're, you're. So I'm coming to your house. Yeah. <laughs> your camp would be sufficient with that. Whereas mine, we have like we have like five guns. Uh, yeah, I always said I would try to figure out some way to be like the governor on The Walking Dead, take over a town, close off certain roads or whatever, yeah. and then build a you know government or something and slowly spread it out it's all about your community but it, it's going to become after a while if it's anything like the walking dead it's going to become a very every tribe and every man for himself type yeah. of thing and it's like who do you trust i'm going to my goal would be to try to get as many people as i can particularly the most well armed in my community yeah to trust me and trust my judgment to the point where they will live under a society under me and i slowly become a dictator <laughs> do you know somebody with cattle actually yes my uncle works with cattle that's a, that's a big deal that you can is get, a big that's deal. like that's like a lot of the food what's more important weaponry or food access oh, you're goodness. right yeah. they're, they're, that's, they're i so think they're e- both equally important in different ways because you you're you might say your food's important but what if somebody comes to take your food but you know here's, what I mean? what, here's what really affects that. Are these fast zombies or slow zombies? That's oh, a that great question. Lord. If they're fast, this, this if is they're a fast weaponry, obviously. Yeah, yeah if they're yeah. fast, yeah, we're so- If they're slow, you're set. You can just run. Yeah. If they're slow, there might be a degree of fun. To that. Yeah. You know, you just beat the crap out of a slow zombie. But <laughs> if they're fast, oh my God. Can you imagine a fast zombie apocalypse? Like that's just, oh. I would just lay down. I'd be like, all right, all right. I'm out. I, yeah. told, I joined a team zombie. I'll put it. I'll put it this way: if they're slow, I'm setting up camp. I'm occupying space. I'm acquiring a community. If they're fast, I'm going to be a vagabond. I'm going to steal. I'm going to lie. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to kill people. I'm going to take. Yeah, <laughs> because you have no other option. If you if you get too if your morality's too intact and they're fast, you're going to get eat. Oh yeah. 
you can't have morality and fast zombies in the same no, world. I, I ask this because I do a lot of the like online blog read. I, I read like as much shit as I can on the internet. Just all the crazy shit that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But like you know, early in COVID, people were like. You know, oh, you get it. It's the zombie apocalypse or the vaccine. That's the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. and, and like all these people, all the preppers came out. And I was reading all these like little like Reddit blogs of like the preppers, you know, preparing for a zombie apocalypse from COVID. Mm. Yeah. I wish I, I mean, not even just the COVID thing. I just need to prepare for anything like that. Cause I mean, the fact that nuclear weapons are even in the question. Yeah. In general. I play a lot of Fallout, so it's easy to say I think I could do pretty well. Granted, um, that takes place 200 years after the weapons fall. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not ready. No matter what the scenario, I'm not ready. Well, what, what was y'all's biggest struggle during COVID? Like, the height of it. What, what did y'all really, what did you learn about yourselves? Or what did you have problems with the most? Oh, i got a good answer for this. Is that, especially with the band thing, it's like, your dreams can be robbed from you in a second, mm. you know, and it, it felt so, it was so discouraging because, you know, when it first happened, I was like, okay, the band can't play. That's a very defeating feeling. But then I was like, okay, no one's band can play. I don't feel like I'm getting left out. But I'm like, the fact that I went from, I mean, we were so busy because we were, we were independent beforehand. So we had a lot of freedom. If we wanted to book a show, we booked a show. It didn't go through two other guys before we booked the show. So we literally played Every single Friday and Saturday, some Thursday, some Wednesday, we were playing constantly. We didn't necessarily tour as much. We were playing constantly. And I was like, my, I had got so adjusted to that. My way of life completely changed. I, it blew my mind. I was like, literally on the scope of the world, the, the world can take away your dream just like that. And that was very eye opening. And I was like, oh my goodness. It's like, I gave everything to this and it's not a thing right now. So. Yeah, similar thing for me. Like my, I was in a different band before COVID. Uh, they had another guitar player. Wait, did, so Seven Year Witches really happened since COVID? In its modern form, its okay. current form. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. The band as a whole has been together for seven, yeah. eight years. Different members, different names, oh. but seven, eight years. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. And go ahead. No go worries. Ahead. And I was in another band before uh, that called the Two Takes with Chase from Love the Thrill. Love the Two Takes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was my old band, and. uh uh, yeah, we used to tour with Seven Year Witch all the time. Same van, this same van that we only five of us share now used to be eight of us in that same van. <laughs> We're uh, talking going, about the van. Oh yeah, safe. going all over the place and whatnot. And we grew very close then. But you know, during COVID, two takes kind of fell apart. And then uh, you know, I was readjusting. I was you know, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not gonna do music anymore. You know, I don't really have any songs. You know, I don't really have a band or whatever. So. Maybe I'll readjust. I was readjusting pretty all right for my. And then they called me like, "Hey, would you be uh down to you know fill in or do some more permanent stuff?" I'm like, "I literally just gave myself a bowl cut yesterday, but if you can wait for me to grow out my hair, sure." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then so there was a lot of readjusting during that time, but it felt better than ever when we were able to f- tour. Uh, you know, after that, you know, we toured with Adelita's Way. Oh man, uh, last. Uh, March last March about a year ago mm-hmm. now uh one of the first you know national big tours to happen you know after COVID I think and we got to open for them on five of those shows and mm-hmm. you know it felt really good to be back in that space you know after COVID to be able to you know go play these and two I don't know you know if I'm speaking for everybody but those are some of the biggest shows I personally have ever played you know a lot of people that were really into it 
you know, we got a lot out of it, you know, a lot of fans, you know, a lot of people that still come to see us to this day out of those shows. So I think in the long run, in a weird way, I hate to say COVID was a good thing, but, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But I can't believe it, it happened looking back. It's yeah, exactly. So, it's so weird. But I think in our personal situation, you know, some good came out of, you know, where it led all of us. Mm-hmm. I want to expand on that after I say this. What I learned from COVID is that I love being in. I That's well, nice sometimes. Before mm-hmm. COVID, I was never in. I was always out. I always I was either at shows, I was at breweries. I never wanted to be at my house. Now, after like a year and a half of doing my radio show from home and you know, uh, growing my relationship with my now wife and all that and getting pregnant last year together, mm-hmm. like I love being in. Yeah. I love having a beer and watching the game on my couch. And there's mm. just something I love <laughs> now about being in that I'm trying to readjust to like, be like, all yeah. right, I got to get back out there. got to yeah. do this. And uh, it's taken me a minute because, uh, but yeah, being in, being in. Nice. Yeah. I always knew I was an uh, introvert living in the world of extroverts and doing extrovert things. And I got, like I said, before COVID, I got so adjusted to it. And then getting, like, you know, when we got back out there with Adelita's Way, getting those sea legs back, I was like, oh, my goodness. This is this is what I was doing. And th- there was beauty to being in. I Like, I, that made me appreciate it. I was like, God, I, I really do. I am kind of a homebody. Yeah. Living a not homebody life, which is fine. But I was like, yeah, I, I, I agree with your sentiment there. There is something wonderful about being at home. Something I, I saw a new appreciation, you yeah. know, for it. I was like, wow, I'm finally, I'm finally making, you know, the most out of my mortgage payment. I'm actually, you know, in my house yeah. more. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something about it, you know, especially now I'm going to be a father, obviously. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, oh, yeah. stay at home as much as I can with, yeah. with my boy. But, you know, what y'all were talking about, um, what COVID did for music, and as you said, COVID was not a great thing, but there were things we learned from COVID that had positive aspects. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot of bands evolving their sound, trying different things with their music. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Bring me the horizon. Asking Alexandria. Um, Royal blood is a big band that, uh, changed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Royal blood. Yeah. 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 With a lot of new sounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, corn with their new Requiem album. Uh, Jonathan Davis got a lot of influence listening to Cannibal Corpse. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Cannibal Corpse, one of my favorite bands. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Hammer Smash Face, yeah. And, yeah, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hearing so much evolved sound from bands. They're trying different things. They're, they're recreating their formulas. And don't y'all think that's from bands, you know, two years not being able to tour, not being able to be able in the same space and write music together? They're like, it was this, like, way their brain changed be like, all right, what can we try that's new? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that happened with us when we, I mean, when we wrote uh, Cyanide and Hellraising and all that, I'm pretty sure that was in the midst of, uh, you know, the, the COVID, the pandemic, everything. Yeah. And uh, there was there was that freedom. There wasn't that feeling of, like, oh, we're doing, we're in this period of writing while all the other bands are out doing everything. Th- there, was a, there was a lack of pressure, it felt like, which is kind of rare. Even yeah. with just, I mean, uh, aside from music and live, when you have music that... Li- is co- a constant competition. Yeah, it almost. really is. Oh, and yeah. so when it felt like we didn't have all that pressure, uh, that was that was different. That was nice. And I think that I definitely felt that with the songwriting. It was just like, I just didn't feel like it... We weren't were in s- a rush to get something out, you know? So yeah. Could, you know, before this certain tour, this and that. It was like yeah. we were able to write 
It was it wouldn't it wasn't as impending. Yeah, I think I think that I, that does affect you musically. I think that affected us at the very least. Like with your drumming uh, or your guitar playing, like have you had uh, a, a drum? What what do you call it? A drum? Um, a, not a segment, but uh, uh, solo, a, a drum solo or yeah. something like that. You were able to expand on it a little bit, really think yeah. about it, be like, all right, well, how can I tweak this part or. You know, you're playing the guitar. You're like, how can I tweak this solo? What can I really add to it? Yeah. And it gave you that space to not have to rush something. Oh, yeah. I mean, it almost made us too self-aware of the set list because we're at the point. We had got so in the groove of the things we were doing. I mean, like, we play so much we weren't even practicing. But when you go that, you know, time without playing, especially like, I mean, we didn't go an entire year without playing, but months at the least, uh, you're like, okay, well, let's look at our set. Let's look at the things we always wanted to change, but we were always in such a hurry, and we were always so busy, we never changed. You find so many little things you want to tweak, and yeah, you almost become hyper-aware of these things, and you're like, oh, goodness, there's a lot I would change now that we have the time. Yeah, I think we're still figuring that out. Yeah, the time I spent alone during all that time, you know, I really dove deep into pedals and effects, which really shows through now in a lot of what we do, you know, our and stuff i mm. use a lot of effects that i only discovered how to use you know during 2020 when i had you know really didn't have any shows going on and all i had to do was play with myself in a perf- hey, oh. in a professional sense yeah, you, yeah, you and a private <laughs> but yeah <laughs> also is it unprecedented to take a pee break in the middle of a podcast not at all absolutely because i need to pee really bad if that's oh, all right of course. <laughs> This can be a good transition into the piss bottles. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you need a P2? Uh, I mean, if, if we pause, then I will. I ain't, about to, I ain't about to bust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it was in the back of my mind, but I was like, I'll make it. I saw your chair moving a little more, and I was, I was really moving. All right, pee break over. Oh, yeah. goodness, that was neat. Everybody feel rejuvenated? <laughs> Absolutely. Brand, brand new man. man. Bladder's empty. Like yeah. Brooks and Dunn said, brand new man. You know, yeah. you know, you know what the thing about if either of you ever have pregnant wives, mm. I'll give you uh, a piece of advice. They pee a lot. Yeah. I bet the- they don't pee as much as me on tour after a Red Bull. <laughs> Is that a lot of peeing? There's a lot of peeing on tour. Yeah. I think me and Bo are on the same page. We don't drink out of thirst. We drink out of boredom. <laughs> I drink, I will drink a, an entire bottle of, and I can't enjoy anything. Like if I have a bottle of water or a Red Bull, I can't just sit there and sip on it and put the top back on. I have to drink the entire thing at once. I don't know why. I have the yeah. same yep. problem. I can't yeah. just like sip on a drink, even if it's a, uh, a non-alcoholic drink or an alcoholic drink. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are people that'll sip on a beer for like 30 minutes and mm-hmm. I'm like... No. How? How? I'm on my like third sweet tea by then, dude. Yeah, I was tempering myself when we were at the bar because I was like, I don't want to kill my drink and then everybody thinks I'm trying to leave. or something. I was, I was tempering myself. If it's just me, and it's not it's not out of alcoholism, it's got to get gone. I, I can't enjoy this. I want to talk to you about your problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's I really this wanted entire... to say something about that. I was worried. That's actually what this is all about. That's this is whole bit. an intervention. We planned this entire thing. Me and I've Bo. always wanted an intervention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, I don't think either of us can enjoy things. Yeah, we so. drink liquids very fast no matter what they are. I'm like that with food. I like, I inhale it. Like, few people want to admit that, but everybody, it's, I enjoy not, I can't even hardly breathe when I eat, I just want to. I want to get it down. I've and that's been, surprising for those of you listening, knowing that Seth is 
I'm underweight. He's very skinny man. He's yeah. not overweight at all. So I mean, uh, don't don't feel bad for him. He's not yeah. got a weight problem. Yeah, so, he yeah. should inhale food. Yeah, I might we have a tapeworm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, whatever ca- his calorie intake right now is, he needs to double it, maybe even yeah. triple it. Yeah. I, yes, if there was enough food available, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I, here's the thing. I'll do this real quick. My wife and I, we did the vegetarian diet for a while. And mm-hmm. I've been trying it for about a year because I got my gallbladder taken out at the end of 2020. Oh, damn. And um, it was an emergency surgery. It was crazy. And uh, it was, it's tough to get enough calories on a vegetarian diet. I'm six one, something like that, or I'm I'm a big, pretty big guy, and so to get enough calories just from fucking plants, it's been hard. What is it? Two thousand calories a day is recommended, something like that. Yeah, so two thousand calories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that the, would be a lot of greens. Jeez. I mean, I, I'll do things like you know chickpeas or legumes and all that, but it's yeah. tough, man. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I couldn't imagine. I I haven't even attempted it. the The closest thing I would ever probably try to attempt is pescatarian because I love fish. But uh, yeah, God, just getting getting that at least the daily minimum of calories that this recommended that just seems like a mountain to climb. A lot of times I just forget to eat. Yeah, like I'll be getting moving in the morning. I have my I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. So every morning I have my cup of tea. We know he doesn't then, drink coffee during the week. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I drink my tea and then uh, I go do stuff in the garage studio, work on stuff, and then it's like two in the afternoon. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even have breakfast, <laughs> and then I'm oh, hungry god. and I'm dying and I need to eat, and then I have my one meal of the day and then go back to sleep. Now, see, I'm a big cook. I love cooking, man. Like, mm-hmm. I will cook rather than eat out all day. See, I wait that till I'm sense. starving. And then the idea of cooking is like, oh, no, that ain't happening. You know what I mean? And then you have to get fast food because it's so convenient. Yeah. I need, I mean, that's, that's just, honestly, that's just laziness. I need to cook. <laughs> but, yeah, when you wait till you're too hungry to cook, it's over. you want to McDonald's. Yeah, I usually go for leftovers or a sandwich because it's not out of, like, a lack of desire for fast food that I won't eat fast food. It's out of a lack of money to do so you I, gotta save, I gotta save that money for uh for a uh, tour fast food yes i can't just yeah. be spending fast food money at home yeah you know? what do you eat on the road oh it's, oh, it's so bad because it's so not a healthy diet of no, no yeah because you could start the tour with a cooler but there's only the maintenance on keeping a cooler going like putting ice in it with the vans blazing half the time and you know, it's it's in finding Walmart's to get decent food and trying to cook things. We we brought little skillets on the road trying to cook. On our last tour, I will uh, give a shout out to some fans of ours. Came out to Knoxville and gave us two one hundred dollar gift cards to uh, Red Lobster. Then Oof. on our big last big tour with the uh, Lonely Ones in October. We use them up, and we thank them very much. And how those. big was a Red Lobster meal on tour? Uh, it, it, it was everything. It meant a lot. We <laughs> sa- we were saving it, too. We were, like, sticking through all the terrible meals. Like, yeah. we don't want to blow this immediately, you I know? I thought I saw Seth drooling a little bit when you said oh, Red Lobster. Yeah. Oh, he was, was, getting, he was nice. getting flashbacks, too. Exactly. Other than that, like, on that tour, I bought a box of granola bars at a Walmart that I was using to sustain myself throughout this whole tour. Then we got to Red Lobster, and I was able to actually feast. It was glorious. Yeah, it's difficult because that's something with me is I I like to feel, like, fed before a show. Like, I could be hungry all freaking day. That's fine, all night. But before a show, you don't want to get up there, like, dehydrated or hungry. I mean, which is going to happen. And uh, that's the worst time to try to find food is right before a show. You're at a venue. You can't move the van. It's, like, very inconvenient. Everything in walking distance is, like, not affordable on tour. 
And Never. Yeah, yeah. So they're not stocking your dressing rooms with food, the venues? No, we give them, what do you call it? Uh, we give them our rider. They, one person has fulfilled our rider so yes. far. Yes, and all that was on was... Like uh, a cheese, yeah, cheese board and fruit, which we need fruit. I will give them credit. We do need fruit. Yeah. yeah. Here is the big question. You guys are going to make it big. I know it 100%. I will do everything in my power to assist you in that because I want to see Seven Year Witch headlining festivals and arenas. But Thank when you. you make it big, what's your reader going to say? What's what, what's going to be in Seven Year Witch's dressing room? What do you yeah, absolutely demand course. you will not play without? Uh, of, of course, just a... Uh, Case of water. That's a start. That's stand, That's very standard. Yes. Standard. Um, doesn't need to be a particular. Yeah, doesn't need to be a particular brand or anything. Smoothie you're not King. Snobs. Yeah. Seven Year Witch. You're not snobs. Yeah. Exactly. I say Smoothie King. I, I know people say that Smoothie King's actually gross. I don't care. I like it. <laughs> I want that in there. Uh Oh goodness. Uh, beef jerky. Beef peppered. jerky is actually very nice. I like peppered. Of beef the peppered jerky. variety. Yeah. Uh, kind of wake you up a little bit. Uh, I think the band likes beer. Beer's got to be on there. Yeah. Uh, oh, a keg. Kind of beer? Uh, yeah. A keg? A keg or something, yeah. Fancy, something, yeah. Oh, what if we were like, we demand something local? <laughs> we demand some local beer. I want a beer. postcard from whatever city we're in. Yeah, yeah. We demand a local beer at every show. Local brewery. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sponsors the dressing room. Yes. Exactly. Um, That's actually clever. Yeah. No, no, it's got to be kept at a certain temperature or anything like that. We'll drink warm beer. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean like the room temperature. Room oh, temperature. Room temperature. You know what? You you guys keep the uh, the small house at your place. You keep it at sixty nine degrees, which is funny, but it's actually <laughs> it's perfect. That's yeah, actually it is yeah, very nice. You could throw on a, a light uh, overthrow thing, whatever you call those. Yeah, Snuggie. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the, what's the furniture got to be like? You got to have some good sitting areas. A- enough uh, for us to sprawl out on to take a nap because yeah, yeah. sometimes we don't sleep in the van. Yeah. Uh, well, we attempt to sleep in the van, but we don't actually get REM sleep. You know what? There would be two green rooms. There would be the green room, and then there would be the actual green room. Because what the green room turns into is just our friends that show up, come and hang out with us in the green room, and then it just turns into a little hangout party sesh. Exactly. And then there would be an actual green room that's like <laughs> like hidden somewhere that exactly. we actually go to Where get away. we can away. take our naps, play uh, Nintendo Switch, uh, and just chill yeah yeah because yeah. like porter even asked that like the when we played center stage like so yeah. many people ended up in the green room somehow yeah. like 30 people ended up making our green room their green room it's very interesting and he was like he's like yeah don't y'all usually like try to chill before the show and i was like it's fine but yeah i don't know how that started but it was like knocking over one domino and then all of a sudden I think Something the other bands started hanging out in there, and they were like, "Oh, this room's more fun." They're like, "We were, we were doing what were we doing? We were getting some rolly chairs and rolling around or some shit." Yeah, yeah. we d- we had a competition uh, to see who could. Uh, There's a bunch of rolling chairs, not unlike these that we're sitting in currently, in that green room, and a desk on one side of the room, and we we're trying to see who could push off of that desk and get the furthest. Then once everybody was like, "Okay, we're going about the same distance," it was like. Who can get out of the door of this green room? And it's a very long, narrow yeah. green room. And uh, somebody finally did. I won't give away too much. We have a video on our Patreon of uh, <laughs> who got out yeah. that door first. Yeah. So I did, uh, I'll go ahead and say it wasn't me. It was not me either. I so. didn't get <laughs> It was somebody else in our crew. <laughs> did y'all like Center Stage? Did y'all like playing that? Oh, I love oh, that I room. love that yeah. place. That's yeah. where I saw Royal Blood for the first time, or the only time I've seen them, but... I love that venue. I've been there so many times to see bands, and it's awesome to play there, too. So and The first time I saw y'all play was Mad Life. Oh, yeah. That Ugh. was a fun one. Yeah, man. man. 
That's when uh, Eddie Eddie Trunk. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Trunk was there. That yeah. was surreal. That was Fuck nothing. Eddie Trunk. No, I'm, just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. We that got Jackson res- here, man. No, no, no. Respect Eddie <laughs> Trunk. All the respect. All the respect. Yeah, that was uh, weird. That was that was fun. Yeah, that was a real fun show. That was my first time ever there. I know a lot of people that have played there and, uh, you know, play there frequently and said, yeah, it's an awesome place. And that was my first time ever being there as either a, you know, a performer or a, you know, viewer. It was classy. Yeah. It was I very like classy. Yeah. Everybody sitting down. That's a little weird for us. Everybody sitting down, but yeah, we it, there were a, a lot. There was a nice quantity of people, so that made up for them sitting down. Yeah, yeah. there's mm-hmm. really kind of nothing worse than uh, sitting down at a rock show. Like I remember one time weird. I went to the Coca-Cola Roxy. Mm-hmm. It was a Collective Soul show, uh, and there were chairs in the in the pit area or like in the standing area. And then I went to see a ghost show one time, and there were. Chairs in the sitting no, area. No, no, no. You yeah. can't have a chair in a ghost show. And I'm like, there are people sitting down at, at a ghost show, and I, I'm oh. standing on the sides and all that, and little, where people are actually standing. And I'm looking at people sitting down, and I'm like, you know what you're at, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Slipknot in a seated uh, stadium type. Oh. That is sin. It was that strange. It was that. I think it was the first Rockstar Mayhem Energy tour or something. Yeah, and we uh we were sitting so far back it was all seated and like it was at the point where people were standing but we were so far back everybody just sat because it was you know like on an incline and I was like this is so odd I'm watching Slipknot and I'm sitting down I thought I would get my head beat in or something. Gojira when yeah. we went to go oh. see Gojira, Gojira it was all seated it was all seated uh, shout out to our friend Daniel from West Virginia that got us into that show yes. we went to go see Gojira it was a like a in Knoxville an auditorium. No, all seats. It was weird. and they're at an incline too, so you're standing with your feet like at a 45 degree angle. It hurt, yes. It hurt after a while, but I was willing to do that for Gojira. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would never sit at a Gojira show or a Slipknot yeah. show. Yeah, First we, time- we we had to stand because everybody in front of us stood, so it was like we're gonna stand for Gojira, but. That's that floor was not meant for standing. Mm-hmm. First time I saw Slipknot, twenty fifteen. Uh, so drunk, my shirt came off, and I was playing my air guitar, and oh, just yeah. I love Slipknot, <laughs> man. I love. Slipknot. I do too, absolutely. We were at the uh, Mister Rogers statue in uh, Pittsburgh when we found out Jody, J- Joey Jordanson died. Yeah, that yeah. was tragic, but also a nice. You know, setting it was. If we were going to find out problem. anywhere that it happened, I'm glad it happened. We figured out under Mister Rogers' watchful eye. Yeah, it was kind of calming. He let us know. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be okay. He did. Yeah. Now we got a couple shows we're going to talk about here in a second, but I want to talk about this van because we've been ta- we've been we talked about the van a lot while we were getting beers. Oh, yeah. We've mm-hmm. talked about it now. Is this like a big big van, like a sprinter van or a touring van or so sevens? No. The the goal is sprinter van. That's the uh, that's the evolution. That's the next step. You're, but you're talking about eight guys in a van smaller than a sprinter van. Yeah, it, it's Absolutely. a it's a church van, so it's uh it's a 15 passenger van. So okay. uh, it's a um, Ford E350. Fifty, yeah, yep. and um, kind of line gas guzzler. It Absolutely. is, yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> nowadays, it's it's yeah. very difficult. But what's what's funny is we we now travel with a trailer. Um, I don't know how we did it any other way. Looking back, but we used to travel two bands, eight people, one van with every bit of the gear in that <laughs> same van we're referencing. It was so cramped. 
And like it would be like one person on the floor, one person on the bench, one person on the floor, one person on the bench, one person. And it was just so uncomfortable. And then at one point, there's two people on one bench with their legs over the bench of the one. And <laughs> that's when your legs them. go numb. That's yeah. Not good. Oh. Yeah. I remember uh, my old band's drummer Josh asking oh. our singer who had the back bench all to himself, the longest bench because it gets the extra foot that isn't walkway. Uh, in the morning, he asked him. I will give you anything to please let me get at least 30 minutes on that bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gio would end up with the best seat. He in always house. ended up with that seat. <laughs> now, this, yeah. like now it's five guys, right, that share this van? Yes, yeah. we uh-huh. run with th- five people uh, at the moment on tour, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. how close are each pers- is each person sleeping to one another? So we have one bench all the way in the back, which to me is, I think that's the primary spot. It's not connected to the floor. Yeah. So it, so it rocks. Yeah. But, and for some reason, if it's cold, it's cold in the van, and it's especially cold in the back seat. If it's hot, it's hot in the van, but it's especially hot in the back seat. So it does have its pros and cons. So we got the very back seat. Then we have a, a big mattress area, which just turns into a spot for pee bottles and bags and dirt yeah. but that's and a- everybody steps on it on their way to the back yeah bench. Oh, it gets gross with dirt and stuff but we end up sleeping on it anyways because there's no other option. two people sleep there usually then there's the front bench which is immediately behind the driver's side uh driver's and passenger seat yeah and then uh the driver and passenger seat which somebody usually chase from the thrill who goes on tour with us he'll make that work for his Area. Which and I don't understand. That's don't so uncomfortable it. to me. Yeah, and he, then I recently hung a hammock up in there, so I get that. Yeah. yeah. How did you hang a hammock? Uh, with luck. <laughs> yeah. With luck and ingenuity. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of a 15-person van. It's like, it's not like tall, right? It's just long. No, they make them tall now, which would be great, but they're very, they're very van-like. Yeah, you, you have to duck to walk in it type of thing. And, exactly. Yeah. I mean, are you dealing with... Farting, absolutely. And, okay, Very offensive okay. farting. It's okay. the farting that foot smells. Aaron, God forbid, he takes off his shoes. Yeah, it, it, when farts quit being funny, and it's like you, it's like offensive, and you're like, dude, don't do that. That's <laughs> awful. Like, like the first five of them, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, there, there's been a few where it's like you got to realize the reason I'm smelling this is because there's doo doo particles floating <laughs> in my nose. Like this, stop, you know? Yeah. So we're going to go on a crusade before our big tour in June, which is going to be three weeks living in that van in California and some of the hottest parts of the country. We're going to go on a crusade to try to make it as comfortable as possible, give everybody as much private space to themselves as we can, Mm -hmm. uh, try to figure out how everybody can have their own little piece of real estate in there, Mm -hmm. and to make sure it's comfortable and, you know, good enough for five people to live in for three weeks without killing each other. Mm-hmm. Now, where do y'all pull the van in to sleep? That's It's it it's a gamble sometimes because usually your truck stops are safe because that's pretty standard. People sleep at truck stops. Rest stops, um, I think rest rest stops are probably our most common thing. Yeah. But <clears throat> trying to sleep at a Walmart, that's that's getting more difficult because more Walmarts don't want that, especially the newer built ones. They, they'll literally have signs asking people not to do that and whatnot. But um, the ideal place to sleep to me is if venues aren't very far apart. Instead of, you know, driving throughout the night while you're tired just to get an hour down the road and have to find some sketchy place to park, if you can just sleep at the venue, to me that's ideal. 
Yeah, and it's, a lot of venues are very kind with that. There's one we played in Florida. They actually let one. They offered it to us, but we we're like, we'll take the van. You know, it's fine. They let one of the bands sleep in the venue, like mm-hmm. on the pool table, on the floor, all that stuff. It was just up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And this is what rock bands have to do to make it, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. glorious. Because Man. you can't you can't go overboard with the hotel rooms because, as an opening band, if your guarantee is because at the end of the day. Buck Cherry doesn't need a band to open for them right. on tour. You know what I mean? They they will sell the same amount of tickets no matter what, whether they sell it out or you know come close. They're going to roundabout sell the exact same amount of tickets. It's really just like the booking agency needing to develop their other bands so there can be another Buck Cherry. They'll you know bring another band on this tour. So your guarantees are never great because you're not necessarily even even if you're contributing bringing people, you're not you're not holding a candle to what Buck Cherry's doing. So if your your guarantees are never big. You know, even if we make a killing on merch, we might only make two fifty to three hundred dollars opening the show with a thirty minute set. So that could very easily go to a hotel room that night. You know what I mean? So it's like, would you rather get a few hours sleep in a hotel room or would you rather just keep the money and rough it in the van? And that's kind of the point we're at. Like when we get to our breaking point, we'll get a hotel room, but we Mostly we for showers. Yeah. yeah. And we're at the point now we're all getting like Planet Fitness memberships just I mean if we can shower on the road, that's half the battle. I mean, I don't I sleep good in the van. So if I can clean myself in a shower, I'm fine. You can get 3 members of your band a premium membership at Planet Fitness for the price of one okay motel. Uh you can get that membership for, you know, the whole month. And that mm-hmm. would be one night at a hotel. There's plenty of fitnesses everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. That's what our friends, uh, the lonely ones, do. It, you know, they all have planet members, uh, planet fitness memberships. They just park outside of those. They let them park outside of. Yeah, because I mean, they're 24 hours. Those people yeah. expect cars in the parking lot. Yeah, you wait. You wake up, take a shower. You can, you know, do everything you need to. They have massage chairs. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. And that's all. You get your whole band in there for a whole month for the price of one motel. Yeah. One night at a motel. Are you at least being respectful and using some of the weights while you're in there? At least doing a couple curls, exactly, maybe a bench yeah. press. We'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll hit the treadmill for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Go, go a half mile and back. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Shower time. Yeah, that's enough yeah, of me. Right. All right. <laughs> now, Jimmy, I, I imagine it does get pretty smelly in the van sometimes. It, it do. And we yeah. go nose blind to it, and it's a little embarrassing. There's because, a natural smell to it. That, yeah. You know, we could Febreze the hell out of it and all I, we want. It's still there. We were talking about this, and I, I, I this is a word of caution to any band we're considering this. I hope no one's considering this. The reason we make such good time sometimes, we're a very early band to arrive. We'll get there like, you know, an hour before our load-in time. But I think a, a big part of that is because we don't take a lot of bathroom breaks. We will pee in bottles. We are like pros at that. Yep. Um, take there, gallon jugs on tour sometimes. Yeah. There's like, I mean, even this, the, we did one show over this last weekend and there was like 40 pee bottles because we do not stop uh, to use the bathroom. But I think it was Aaron suggested maybe making some type of, uh, you know, Bottom. some type of way to take a dump in the van, <laughs> and I'm like, look, that cannot happen because when we—that's a step too far. When you <laughs> fart in the van, it's like a gas chamber. When, imagine if you took a doo doo in the van. <laughs> that has to be for absolute emergencies because the van will never bounce back from that. Never. That, you know, you you smoke it's carpeted. That's that like yeah ferments in the. It yeah. sticks. You smoke a few cigarettes in your car, it's going to basically be there till you sell it. If you take a doo-doo in your van, 
It's not going anywhere. Even that, if you can smell it, just knowing it happened, you're like, that's where the doo-doo happened. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Exactly. And I could see an emergency bag with cat litter in it or something for like a... And see, that wouldn't even that still wouldn't work because if it was an emergency, it's going to be all water. And that's not going to work in a bag. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd rather pull off on a, a deserted exit beside the interstate and make them go outside, whoever it is. I'd rather just put on a diaper. We need to bring a thing of diapers, and if you got a doo-doo that bad. <laughs> Hell, I just wait till I get home. My stomach be damned. <laughs> I mean, I can hold it, but there's been a few times where I'm like, this. Yeah, no, there's some god-awful venue bathrooms that have been defiled by Seven Year Witch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So y'all got this tour coming up with Buck Cherry. Yeah. That you're uh, very, very excited about. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you are playing Whiskey it. a Go-Go. Indeed. Yes. Look, very much looking forward to playing that storied stage. Yes. So many uh, famous and infamous moments have happened on that stage. I look forward to it. Yeah, and our, our new management, they're they're very keen on getting, uh, I think our, our manager, uh, Larry Mazur, he kind of put it this way. He's like, not, not a lot of labels are signing rock bands, especially like they used to, but he's like, but a few are. And he said this would be a great opportunity to we're in LA there's a lot of guys that hang out there and are willing to come there anyway he said this would be a great chance when you guys go there I can I can make some calls and get some people out to see you guys and to me I'm like this is like a perfect storm like you know it's not like we're just going out there to play the whiskey it's like we're actually gonna open up for like a platinum selling band this is this is to me just a perfect storm it's a perfect place for something like that for those type of people to see us so yeah, yeah. and, and- Regardless of that, you know, there's going to be people there. And if where there's people, we play. You yeah. know, we give them all we got. And Aaron's got to make sure to stretch. He's got to get, the, he's got to nail the backflip. Yeah. Watch that be the one time he doesn't make the backflip. Or he just forgets. <laughs> yeah. No, the thing about y'all, I was, I'm so surprised at how uh, nice you guys are. Oh, thank you. Oh, you thank guys you. are so sweet. It's unreal. Yeah. And I told my wife that because I remember when y'all got on stage at Mad Life. I'm like, you are never going around any of them. Because you guys, you, you take the sex appeal on stage, and, and it shows. And uh, and then I was like, I was worried, because I hadn't met y'all yet, and I, I'm completely saying this from, you know, the first time I saw you, I go, oh, they're probably going to be douches when I, when I meet them. Because yeah. y'all just have so much personality on stage, and you're so confident, and it, and that comes through. Mm. And then I met y'all guy, met you guys at... Um, uh, center stage, talk to you briefly, and I go, oh, they seem, they seem nice. And then I meet y'all today, and I'm like, guys, you're just the sweetest. Yeah. I oh, can't I bring myself to be mean. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, no. It makes me mad when bands are like that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Somebody put it this way. They were like, the bands that, uh, you know, that have made it, you know, any big band, the Def Leppards, the, the Avenged Sevenfold, it doesn't matter. They're all cool. They did what they they've made their statement. It's all. I mean, if if they stop tomorrow, they good. They they did what they came to do. The young bands rising up. They're cool as can be. Like they they trying to make friends with everybody. But somewhere in the middle, people turn into assholes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because they like they think they're here, but they're insecure because they're actually here. And I I think we're you know I'm not saying we're in the asshole stage, but I feel like we you know we're not a band starting out, and we're definitely not a band that's made it. We do exist in that twilight zone of the middle, which is huge. It's a huge gray area, but that's where you can very easily turn into an asshole, I think, and think more of yourself or just be too demanding or something. 
And I think we we temper our, temper ourselves and we keep ourselves in check. We try not to be like that. You know what I mean? That's so true. Like you know, mm-hmm. you talk about the big bands. They're they're sometimes the nicer ones. Like yeah, uh, a couple stories. Uh, like Rick Allen at Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Rick Allen. He comes in here and we have I have an interview with him. And well, the studio is being used by our morning show, and I forgot we scheduled it during the morning show. So we go into this small studio over here, and Rick Allen and I have to share one mic, and we're sitting <laughs> right beside each other, and we're sharing this one mic. And he was just so cool about it. I thought he was going to be like, "Fuck this, I'm leaving. I'm not," you no. know, just, you know. And he just he just sat there with me sharing this mic, and uh, you know, it was just like the coolest thing. Or like in this very room, me and Rick Ocasek. From the cars before he yeah. died, we we sat here and we just had like the coolest old conversation. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, and then he 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 was uh he was in town his art gallery. He so he was a painter too at the end in his retirement. Yeah. So he had this showing at um Phipps Plaza Galleria. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, would love for you to come uh, be my guest tonight at my uh, my sh- opening for my art gallery. And so I take my brother, and we're sitting backstage with Rick Ocasek for 45 minutes drinking wine and just shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sitting with Rick Ocasek just drinking. His, he had this fancy-ass wine. <laughs> and he was like, I'm like, he's like, more wine, Jackson? I'm like, I mean, this thing was hundreds of dollars, probably a bottle. And, yeah. Uh, and, That's what happens when you write all those hits. You can afford yeah. those types of bottles of wine. And I'm like... Uh, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit. And he's just like pouring it in a full glass and all that. And I'm just like these people that have made it that have nothing really left to prove. They're just they're just cool, cool as a cucumber. They're, they're so yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, and it's like that. Dave Grohl stories I've heard of like you know exactly. him interacting with fans. He's just so nice. Like, did y'all see uh, him having that little drumming battle with Nandi Bushel, that nine year old? I didn't see yeah. that. No, that's probably cool. Oh, it was huge. Oh, it yeah. was huge. He was like doing back and forth over like a Zoom or whatever with this like nine year old girl, <laughs> like drumming prodigy. Exactly, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, he stories like that are cool as shit. And you know, it, it makes you, you know, when you're on a smaller level, you know, if you get to experience something like that with a bigger band, you know, that sticks with you and you want to replicate that if you yeah. ever get into that same position and there's somebody that looks up to you. You know, not saying there's anybody that looks up to us at this moment. You know, we're oh, there are bands that look like up to you, I'm sure. Yeah, there was one time we, uh, you know, the venue Pianos in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's a really tiny, just crappy venue in New York, New York. And we had played there, but we were killing time before the show, and we were walking around Times Square, and I like stopped, and I told the rest of the band, I was like, I think that's the singer for Baroness, and I don't, even, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, oh, yeah. but I love that band. And they were like, what? And I was like, it, 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 he just looks so, he's, I mean, I'm not saying he's the most unique looking person ever. I was like, he just, I think that's him. I saw him from a distance. So I looked him up on Google. I was like, oh my God, that is him. Like I matched the tattoos up and everything. I was like, I got to go talk to him. So I went up to him, totally interrupted his conversation with somebody. I was like, hey man, could I just get a picture? If, or I was like, are you John from Baroness? He was like, yeah. I was like, could I get a picture? He's like, oh, of course. And we took pictures with him and hung out for a second. And he was so cool. And I totally just interrupted everything he was doing. He was cool as a cucumber, though. And I was like, that's how I got to be. You know what I mean? Because, like, he's not in the biggest band in the world. But I I mean, I look, I was more shook meeting him than I would be Justin Bieber. I mean, this person actually, their art means something to me. Yeah. So, and I was like, the fact that he, that just made me such a bigger fan. Like, I was like, he took a moment to have, like, a real connection, talked to me for a second, 
wasn't annoyed at all, wasn't put off at all. Even his friend that was with him just backed off for a second. I was like, that was awesome. That's how you do it right there, you know? Where so many, like, artists would have been like, oh, I'm having a conversation right now. Yeah. Like, and I was that. being so awkward because I was fanboying. I was yeah. like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> weird. But, yeah, he was awesome. Oh, yeah. It's stuff like that that uh, really leaves a mark with you and that, you know, if you ever get to be in a position like that, uh, you know, you want to replicate, you know, mm-hmm. especially like we were saying earlier, you know, you kind of owe your career in that sense to people that, you know, appreciate your art like that. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. that actually feels inspired enough to walk up to you in person and say, hey, I know who you are and I appreciate what you've done, you know, art wise, you know, can I get a picture with you? The least I can do for them is take a picture if yeah. I'm in that position, no. you know, so that, you know. No matter what mood you're in, whether or not you're talking to somebody, you know, you kind of owe your livelihood to them. Yeah, I was so struck. Our friend Porter, he's in a, he's in a, you know, he plays with a few groups we're friends with. He, uh, he manages a Barberitos, and there's a few teenagers that work there that he's hired. I love a good Barberitos. Oh, same. (laughs) And he was like, there's this kid there, man, and he just, he thinks Seven Year Witch is like celebrity. You know, Porter's our friend, so obviously he doesn't. He thinks highly of us, but he he doesn't see us as celebrity, you know, by any means. But he's like this kid. He's like, man. He said he went to one of y'all's shows and he was gonna come up and talk to y'all, but he was just like he was he backed off last second. He was too nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, that makes me feel so bad. I was like, this kid has no idea how normal we are. I'm like, it's not like that at all. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. And I was yep. like, I told him, I was like, tell that kid come up to us and shoot the shit. Yeah. And he could show up at our house, and we'd be like, come on in, bro. We take what we do seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Right. So if, yeah, anybody that feels the need to walk up to us in person, remember real, real, that. Real quick, what's each of y'all's craziest story from the road? Ooh. Oh, heaven. There are no crazy stories. We're perfect angels on the road. What are you talking about? <laughs> it doesn't have to be necessarily y'all. Something that y'all encountered. Maybe I don't it, think it's something we. It was a venue. There's a good one when uh before I was in the band, I went with them up to Canada just to help out and hang out. And uh, the second we crossed over into the border from uh, Detroit, we got into Windsor. The second we got on the road, there's some dude that just walked across the street, not even a crosswalk or yeah, anything. Yeah, cut us off. Like, yeah, he walk- cut us off walking, and we s- slammed on the brakes, and he just looks at us with this shit. Like, look, like, <laughs> like what? He's like, how dare y'all drive on the road? Yeah, that how was the look. dare you drive at an at the speed limit in this road with no crosswalk that I'm trying to walk across? Yeah. And then, after he's done giving us this look, he keeps walking, and then a giant truck just, going at like seventy miles an hour, yeah, yeah. just zooms by. It's uh, side view mirror slams him in the wrist. He, you know, ducks over. With it, you know, grabbing his wrist because it just got hit by a truck going uh, like 60 miles an hour. I And that truck stops and starts yelling at him. Yeah, and, and we, we saved his life if you really think about it because yeah. the fact that he stopped to like gawk at us for a second, like yeah. looking at us like we're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> I mean, like literally like he was feet, like not even fit, like a foot away from his life being over, from being like spaghetti <laughs> on the side of the road. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah. could have got so smashed. And I'm like, we really did save this dude. You yes. don't even know it. And he didn't even appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was just us going into Canada and we were like, what is this about to be like? Oh, yeah. This is. Oh, y'all, y'all played in Canada? 
We played there a few times, but it was really that was when we were in the heavily in the uh, DIY type of touring, like booking our own shows, which is a fun way to do things. But it's it's so much more productive to have a booking agent. But when you go DIY, if you want to go play in Canada, you go book a little dive bar up there and you go do it, and you don't wait around on somebody to approve something or this and that, and you go do what you want to do. Didn't but, uh, I was the only one with a passport too going into Canada. It's funny mm-hmm. as hell going in. You would think it was the other way around, but getting into Canada. They were, like, strict, like, because you can get in with, like, your birth certificate of something or something technically Yeah, they don't legal. want people to know that, but, yeah. like, if you have enough identification, they'll let you in. Yeah, but, the, yeah. the border guard was like, what? With, he had a big old mustache. Yeah. It was, like, dangling <laughs> over his mouth. They're like, what? And then it, it took it lo- him longer to, like, make sure everybody was okay to come in. Then they pulled us over, checked the whole van or whatever. I had to pee as per usual, really bad. I was like, can I go pee? And they're like, we have to check your van first. I'm like, I really have to pee. <laughs> and then uh, they were done checking the van. They didn't trust Seth's driver's license either yeah, because so the old. picture yeah. was old and it was beat up. They're like, this isn't you. Yeah, they He's were like, bending it. They're like, this isn't you. And I was like, it is. And they were like, do you have another form of ID? And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, n- I mean, I have, like, a Facebook, and they're like, that doesn't count. And like, yeah, <laughs> and then it took them 15 minutes to go check that, and then they're finally like, okay, you guys can go. I was like, do you have a bathroom I can use, please? And they're like, you mean a washroom? I'm like, J- way to add insult to injury. God, anyways, I'm not going to wash in I here. went to the washroom, and then we were finally allowed in Canada, and that's where we uh, encountered that one guy. And then coming back into the U.S., it was like 2 in the morning or whatever, and uh, the border guard, there was no cars in line or anything. And uh, we were like, okay, this one's going to be difficult because, you know, half of us only have, you know, birth certificates, not passports. So they're going to be a big deal. Anyways, we pull up. The dude, the U.S. border guard's like, oh, what's up? Are you banned or something? And we're like, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, cool. No, he said, Anyways, did y'all smoke any weed? And we were like, no. And he's like, well, why not? It's legal there. Yeah, he and he was like giving us suggestions on strains of weed to try in Canada. He's like, dude, next time you come up, you've got to try this one. We're like, you're a border guard. <laughs> he didn't check our, he barely checked our IDs or anything. He was just yeah. like, okay, who's this one? He looked in like, okay, I guess that's you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fine. That being said, I did find a bag of weed on a Walmart. I'm sorry, a uh a McDonald's floor in Ottawa. Uh, I did nothing with it because uh, I'm not one who partakes in such things. But you don't smoke the devil's lettuce. No, yeah, no, it was an that. interesting story, an interesting find. We did this. This was a huge mistake. We were so stupid sometimes. We went to park at a parking meter, and it had a credit card in there. And we were like, oh, we can't put our card in. Let's take this credit card out. And then it was some random person's credit card. So we're like, all right, the good Samaritan thing to do would be drop this in a mailbox and let the postmaster figure out where it goes and this and that. Um, So we sat it in the van with the full intention of just dropping this thing off somewhere. We totally forget about it. We spend the few days in Canada. We're coming back through. And then we're like thinking, all right, is there anything weird in the van? They might say something about that we picked up as like a souvenir, yada, yada, yada. And then I was like, oh, shoot, we got that dang credit card that's not ours floating around in this van i don't know if that's a big deal and because we didn't even know to what extent they would search the van and uh we were like should we tell them should we not tell them and i think that we had deduced it would be better to tell them and let them know even if it's a little weird to let them know than them just find it and then have to explain why we have some random person's credit card you know what i mean so 
We pulled up and we, uh, Aaron, he started trying to explain it to the lady, but it was like one of those things like when someone talks and then someone talks at the same time and you both kind of stop. And then you both go again at the same time. And then you both, and it was like, like she was like, she went to say something, and he was like, "Yeah, so we have this." And they were like, they both stopped, and then they started again at the same time. I was like, "Oh, this is so bad. This <laughs> isn't working." Look even worse. <laughs> yeah, as it goes on. And I think we had told him like we found a credit card that was in the thing, and we took it out, and it, we left it in our van. We shouldn't have it, but we do. And they were like. All right, and then they made us like come inside this building, and they like literally like patted us down and stuff. And then we got a chance to explain the credit card thing. And they were like so confused. They were like, why didn't you just like put it on the ground? And we were like, I don't know. What do you, what do, you do with it? I don't know. Would you, I don't want somebody bad to get it. And they just took it and then they let us go on our way. But I was, it makes me so nervous going through these like checks and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. I could get pulled over. I got pulled over for speeding and it was my first ticket ever. It's the first, I am, I am the like uh, most vanilla person uh, everyone comes to that stuff, but I got pulled over speeding. I was like, "Oh God!" You would have thought I would had like a bag of cocaine <laughs> in my car. And I'm like sweating bullets. I'm like, "Oh fuck! Oh, they're gonna get me I'm going to jail." And like, I just think the worst thing's gonna happen. It's like when I go to the doctor to get a checkup. I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna tell me I got cancer of the liver. I got cancer of this and that." Yeah. And it's like everything's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I yeah. get that. I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I always just feel like I'm, I've done something wrong, and I just don't realize. <laughs> like, there's some parking ticket that I forgot about, and there's like a warrant out for my arrest or something. <laughs> the same way. Yeah. Uh. Oh god. But then I'd ha- then I would go to jail, and I'd get the cool little mug shot, and then I could do so- that. Could be some album art exactly. or something. Yeah. Somebody yeah. would uh, sell a copy of that like 30 years in the future Shoot. when you're dead and gone. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't die within the next 30 years. How old would that make me? Fifties? Oh so, yeah, no, no. sixty, almost sixty. That's oh, okay. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're almost out of twenty seven. So yeah, you've you've missed the mark for the cool age. Yeah, the cool kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you a story. This is y'all are the first ones that I've told this to okay. outside of my okay. family. Uh, there's a friend of mine that's wanted by the FBI, uh, or a person that I was friends with for a couple of years. He's wanted by the FBI, and. When he when he when he disappeared, I'm like, oh, they're gonna come to my door. They're gonna ask me how I know him and all that. And it took eight months, eight months. I had to sit around and wait. But on the eight months, it was the day they came to my door. <laughs> I opened the door, and everyone told me I was crazy. Like Jackson, they're not coming. They don't give a shit about you. I go, they're coming. They're coming to my house, and I know they are. I know. Eight months later, I open my door. It's the FBI and the IRS. And uh, this is in my, I live in a townhouse, like, you know, in a big neighborhood of townhouses. And like, you Mr. are you Jackson Heaton? I'm like, yeah, I'm Jackson Heaton. I, I knew exactly <laughs> where they were when I opened the door. And like, I'm so-and-so with the FBI, and this is so-and-so with the IRS. I'm like, yeah, all right, what do you want? And so they're asking me all these questions about how I knew this guy. Me and this guy had gone to Vegas together and 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 all that and but i didn't know anything he was doing illegal at the time yeah, I, yeah. I just thought i was going to vegas and we were hanging out or whatever and um they're asking all these things all these questions and then i realized why i knew they came to my house because his wife kicked him out uh and he lived with me for like a month and a half in one of my old apartments and i have this smart tv right yeah. And he had signed into his Hulu on my smart TV. I had moved to two different places uh, since that apartment that he stayed with me at. Yeah. But it's a smart TV, so you know it keeps everything signed in on all the apps. They pinged it. It was his fucking Hulu. 
that was still signed in on my TV that I didn't know about. And that's how they tracked it to my place, and they thought he was staying at my place. They pinged oh the Hulu. Uh, they they pinged the Hulu. Oh, and I'm like, I got a visit from the FBI. How funny was that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's like, uh, this is a very long story that I'll, I'll condense. I know, and I'm sorry I was so long with mine. No, you good. But basically, there was a inheritance in my family gone wrong, which happens a lot the more I've talked to people about inheritances and stuff gone way wrong and um it involved me and my brother and my sister and we um out of just anger and just just disdain towards situation my brother wrote the dr phil show not trying to necessarily get on the show just venting to the dr phil email we got and we got a hit back immediately from a producer that was like can we speak with somebody on the phone about this and i was like oh my gosh and my brother showed that to me. I was like, I, I was like, dude, I was like, I, cause he asked me if it was okay to ride him. I was like, yeah, ride him. I had no idea they would, I mean, it was immediate. Wait, was this going to end with you being on Dr. Phil? No, I mean, it very well could have, but <laughs> I, I don't know the, the entire process of it, but, uh, we, I, I told him, I was like, don't ride him back. I was like, I don't want to, I was like, I, because if we were to go on the show, we would have to come in contact with the people we had an issue with. I was like, I've cut them off. I, I don't want anything to do with that. You know what I mean? And the, the producer reached out again. They were like, just following up, like very interested in the story. would like to hear your side of the story. would like to make contact. And I was like, they really want to pursue this. And I was like, I could very well swing this in some type of way. This is well before the uh, Catch Me Outside Girl. Uh, so I, I didn't have that to pull, uh, what do you call it, uh, inspiration from. But I could have swung that in some type of way, I'm sure. You know, Damn. some type of publicity. But... Uh, it was one of those things I was like, I if I'm going to be on TV, I don't necessarily want it to be about that because that could be kind of messy. You, know, you yeah. could have propelled Seven Year Witch. I, I could. There's a way to swing that. There is. But I was like, goodness, they were so on that. And surely they would have wanted to vet us and get in contact with the other side of the family, get everybody's side of the story, and maybe they would have lost interest. But the fact they were so on it, I was like, that is scary. Isn't that amazing? We watch these shows every day, and all these families, all these participants have to go through what you went through. Like, yeah. There's, like, yeah. backstories and all this investigation into it. There's so much yeah. that goes into it. My, my heart sank when they wrote us back. I was like, D I could very well, I mean, if I made this, I mean, it was dramatic as is, but if I painted it even more in a dramatic light, we could very well be sitting on that show. That is yeah. odd to me. That Good is, God, yeah. guys, we've been talking for an hour and forty minutes. Whew. It's flown by. It, is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, not including the beers beforehand. Too. I know yeah. we didn't even have beer during the talk. Yeah, I know. Good Lord, Goodness. you imagine if we had had beer during this? No, yeah. dude, this would be like a five-hour podcast. <laughs> Joe Rogan would have nothing on us. Yeah, watch the mics weren't even on the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna go and listen back, and it's gonna be like no one was talking the entire time. Yeah, that would, that would be my luck, man. God, yeah. I've had that happen on some things before. We'd come back and get me started, good. man. It happened to me once in a band. The uh, we recorded an album, and then the engineer called up. I was like, "Watch, he's gonna tell us he lost all of it." <laughs> Guess what he was calling <laughs> about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh God! Tragic. I remember. Um, who was it? Oh, I was doing a David Coverdale of Whitesnake interview one time, and all the all the audio got lost and all that. And uh, I mean, I have interviewed everybody, and so when I did interview David Coverdale, he kept calling me baby the whole time. And <laughs> he he ended the interview was like, "I gotta go, sweet prince, but it's been fun." <laughs> and I was like, I made everyone call me sweet prince because I was like, David Coverdale did. Yeah. Uh.
Yeah. I interviewed uh, Brent Smith of Shinedown oh, over my car speaker on my way down to the beach. Really? I was driving <laughs> in my car talking to Brent Smith of Shinedown, and I'm like, that, that was one of the coolest things ever. Not because yeah. it was the best interview I've ever done, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Brent Smith of Shinedown while driving. Yeah. I had a roadie with me. I, I'll, I'll uh, incriminate, incriminate myself there. Mm. I had a roadie with me at the time. So I'm like, I'm talking to Brent Smith of Shinedown. I'm heading down to the beach for vacation. Mm. Uh, I was taking like a week vacation, and they're like, hey, I need you to interview Brent Smith. And I go, you have to be in my car, man. I'm going. I'm, I'm going on vacation. Yeah. Was uh, he cool? Oh, it was great. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, he seems really cool. That is awesome. My my first one, I've had 11 interviews go viral with uh, big artists. My first one was Tobias Forge, a ghost, and that one was, uh, that guy was cool. So that must have been at the point when people realized who he was yeah, yeah, within yeah. Ghost. Because it wasn't at first, it was total. Yeah, anonymous. it was like with yeah. Slipknot. They did the yeah. mass hall and then everybody. Yeah. But it was because uh, former members, the nameless ghouls of Ghost, were like suing Tobias Forge, and that's how I believe his. Yeah, it was something about writing credit. Yeah. yeah, his image came to be because of the court stuff. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, because I think all court cases are pretty much like public domain. Like if you've been to court, isn't that right? Like you can look up pretty much anybody's court case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess if somebody truly dug, they could find that. Um, that sucks to have your whole persona and your whole band be around people not knowing who you are, and then because of that, you get. Yeah, yeah, I'm too selfish. I mean, if I'm doing it, I want people to know. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I want the credit, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm exactly. not doing this just for, like, you know, shits and giggles yeah. or, yeah. you know, for the for the love of the game. I want people I want people to know who mm, I am. Exactly. That's something with Ghost. I think somebody was, like, speculating, like, very early on before they knew uh, even who the singer was. They were suspecting that Dave Grawl was in the band. Yeah. Or something, based off some that. tattoo or something like that. Oh, that's funny. That would have been cool if, like, they unmasked all the ghouls and it was, like, all these rock stars the yeah. entire time. That would have been cool. That's the thing about being on the radio. I'm like, I'm like, it's not fair because like TV people here in Atlanta, like the news people or the weather people, yeah. they go out and they get noticed and all that. I'll be sitting out at dinner and I'm like, I wonder how many people in this fucking room listen to me, but they have no idea what I look like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't get any recognition. I can't get any props. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to like be like you know heralded, but I'm like you know there's probably someone in this restaurant right now that listens to me that has yeah. no idea what I look like. That pisses me off sometimes. Oh yeah, there, I used to listen to talk radio all the time, and every now and then I'm like, okay, I gotta know what you know Mark Aram looks like. Yeah, Granted, yeah. he's you know on the news as the traffic guy. I don't wake up early enough for the traffic yeah. news. So I'm like, oh, what does Mark Aram look like? I'm like, oh, that's nothing what I thought he'd look yeah. like. So it is kind of fascinating when That's you're- like a Hawk and Tom. That's a morning show where I'm, you know, in Anderson or just South Carolina. And I've made a point. I don't want to know what, the, I like the mystery. I know what they look like in my head. And I feel like if I see it, it's, it just would ruin it all for me. Well, yeah. is that the thing what people say, never meet your idols because some, yeah. you know, so I've met like my some of my idols before, and I've just been so disappointed. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, scared to meet Jack White. I, he's he's one of my idols, but I'm like, what if, what if he's a douche? Yeah. Two great albums coming out from him this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear of the Dawn on April 8th, and then Entering Heaven Alive on July 22nd. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, I think there's like three big innovators in like modern rock music and stuff. And he's one of them. He is. He's, he's, a, he's a genius. What he does, I have no clue how he thinks, how he does, how he comes up with the things he does. It's absurd. We're going to have to wrap this it. up at some point, but I, I just want to talk so much more. I just want to talk Same. so much more. So <laughs> we're going to keep talking for a second. What do y'all think about Machine Gun Kelly and his contribution to rock? Oh, okay. That's I know there. nothing about this individual because I keep up with pop culture. Uh, not at all. I okay. don't keep up with pop culture. So I've 
I barely know who he is. You could show me like five pictures of male faces on the TV right now. I would not be able to pick him up, at, uh, pick him out of a lineup. What is not that, a clue. What is that word you use at one time? Like I, it's an e word. E word. It's oh. like when you, it's like when a president doesn't want to be a part of an investigation. Oh, what is that oh, word? I, uh, oh God, what is it? It's been used in recent history. I forgot. Right. Uh, like, well, like you're ex- when a judge removes himself. Yeah. What is that called? Recuse myself. <laughs> I recuse myself. I recuse yeah. myself, yeah. I recuse myself <laughs> yeah. from the uh, machine gun Kelly conversation. Okay. I I have strong feelings about it, but I'm tr- I'm gonna I'm trying to think of how I can put it in the fairest way possible. I get industry plant vibes from him you know what you know what that kind of means you know like it feels like some place somebody uh, behind the scenes was like oh let's let him be the champion of pop punk or something like that um i that's that's the vibe that's given off to me is because he was such a when i thought mgk i thought of a rapper you know what i mean and then to do an entire genre (laughs) to move in genres entirely and then he it seems like a lot of people aren't taking to his genre change and it seems like he's he's surprised by that or something when there's these bands like, you know, the Paramours and the Fallout Boys and this and that, the true pop punk icons who define the genre. And then he just kind of is like, Boop, I'm, I'm up there with y'all now. You know what I mean? It, it feels misplaced and odd. Oh. But at the same time, in fairness, he's put out two albums under the pop punk genre, and I've listened to neither. I've only heard the, the cover he's done, The Misery Business, which I did, just did not like. But yeah, yeah, but that that's me. That's me. Uh, yeah. So it it, it gives me this industry plant feel. I, I agree. Like him working yeah. with Travis Barker. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of re up vibing the Blink One Eighty Two sound yeah. and all that. And yes, uh, he has not been in the genre a long time. And it seems yeah. like, whoa, where did Machine Gun Kelly come from? He was this rapper who had a diss with Eminem, and then yeah. uh, all of a sudden, bam, rock star. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, screwing Megan Fox and all that, and like you know, reviving yeah. her career by you know them being in the spotlight and then being friends with Travis Barker and uh, who was it, Courtney Kardashian, who yeah. Travis Barker's engaged to. So I get that, but I do respect him introducing rock to the younger uh, demographics. That's a that's yes. a that's a I great, will always yeah. appreciate that, and anybody you know to a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, I can. Ne- the same thing we were saying about Greta Van Fleet. That's one angle I can never uh, discourage. Is if somebody's turning a generation of people onto something that I'm into, I you can't you can't knock that. So. Now, do I think he should have called out Corey Taylor and tried to piss off Slipknot? Yeah, no. you don't. No, you don't fight Corey Taylor. That was <laughs> that was all publicity too. His oh, team, oh, his, oh, yeah. his oh. team was genius for that. Yeah, we've we've talked about in the past, like you know, if we could somehow get to a point where we could like reasonably have a beef with Greta Van Fleet, not because we actually have a beef with them, but just for publicity. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah. Like, like behind the scenes, actually hang out with them and drink beers all the time, but like <laughs> out in the public, be like talking trash to each other for publicity. Well, lead singer's got a small yeah. penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That type it's, of stuff. It's genius. I, I, mean, I, I like swear. Like Learn Oasis. Yeah. I, I thrive for that type of rivalry. The worst mm-hmm. thing Corey Taylor did was respond to Machine Gun Kelly. That's what fed it. That's what, yep. you know. That's what Eminem did as well. If he would have just acted like that, that person wasn't even on his radar. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it was so funny, uh, Machine Gun Kelly's, his uh, rap diss track was him standing in a wife beater eating a bowl of Cheerios or something, and he's like making all these like this weird song he's like fucking beer's weird both boys from the midwest and he's like is eating his cheerios or his oatmeal or something yeah. it was just like yeah if eminem hadn't said anything it just would have gone away but hey good on machine gun kelly for you know 
you know, getting the getting the props, getting the publicity. Excellent exactly. publicity. I'll give him that. Excellent. The music business is fucking weird. Oh yeah, it yeah. is weird. It's, well, a, it's an entertainment industry. Yeah, yeah. You got to entertain, even if it's off stage, totally unrelated to music. And this, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring this up earlier. Isn't it kind of su- shitty for the for the genre for music as a whole? Whereas you know, back in the day. They got famous for playing their music yes. by, you know, going on talk shows or playing at sets. And, you know, if someone wanted to see Jimmy Page and if they wanted to see Zeppelin, um, they didn't, the only time they could see them was if they were on a TV, a talk show being interviewed yeah. in Rolling Stone or you went to their show. Yeah, Jimmy like, Page wasn't making five TikToks a yeah, day. Can you imagine if Jimmy Page or, you know, oh, the, these people back in the day had access to videos like that and you could, like, see them backstage? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody's oh told us God. that before. I've, we've heard that from two people, and I, I think there's some truth to it, is that there's this exclusiveness to other bands that we we don't tap into that. It's like at our shows, we're hanging out. You don't have to pay to meet us. We're hanging out at the shows. And that's why some people come, and they might chat our ear, ear off if they're like a really big fan and they've never met us. But I've, I've had people before be like, hey, like you guys would be, I think it would add to your image if you didn't hang out before the show. That's why a lot of bands, they might look like, you know, assholes sometimes, but they're really just working on their exclusiveness. Like, mm-hmm. you really do have to wait for that moment just to even see the band walk on stage. It's they're not, science. Yeah, yeah, they're not chilling at the bar before the show or whatever. And, and that, that's tough to do because it would be very difficult to sit in our van until we played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, like we were saying with the farts and the piss bottles. The mystique. You know, that's a, yeah, the yeah. mystique's yeah. tough. And but especially trying to just play ball now, like, you got to stay on top of your social media and stuff like that and have a personality online because if you don't somebody else is yeah and it's tough to balance having any type of mystique and staying on top of everything you got to make people think they feel a connection with you outside of just a pure like musical connection they have to you know understand you as a person feel like they know you as a person yeah as we said what you do on stage is a small percentage of what you are as a band absolutely yeah yeah. you could be playing killer live shows but if another band that you know is similar to you or whatever if they're more active on socials or online that band's getting more uh you know seen more than you are people are discovering them more even if you're putting on great live shows most of our fans i think still haven't seen us live because they only know us online it's a matter of like we haven't been to where they live or you know we haven't been close enough to where they can actually come see us live but they you know see us online and appreciate us and actually you know keep up with us we have fans in australia and germany that like will comment on stuff all the time you know we get all the come to brazil messages and stuff a lot but you know it's you know i guess that's a positive side of online is you can make fans in these places before you ever reach someone of different parts of the world yeah yeah Yeah, that's like be at the means i don't don't know if you've ever listened to them at all but uh they're from birmingham or something somewhere in alabama and uh they were just the most incredible live band. But it's like they couldn't be bothered to, I guess, attack the online angle. And so it was just always a shame to me because live, when people saw them live, their jaws were on the floor. I mean, this was an incredible live band. But, like, I'm like, it's playing playing ball in this modern day, you have to it gives, you have to just care to some degree about what you put online because I swear if they just – if there was somebody like us just in charge of running Be It The Means online stuff and just posting a few things a few times a day on various different platforms, I think they would have, that would have exploded. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what, to what degree, but if people just, if it was just there to ingest, people would have ate it up, you know? Yeah. One so. of the things we did on uh, one of our 
uh, last year in July with uh, Adelita's Way, we were on tour. We did a 72-hour live stream of our tour just on TikTok, uh, riding <laughs> around. And, you know, people would tune in and out, but there were a few people that were there the entire time. 72 hours straight live yep. stream? Watching us sleep and everything. Holy crap. I, I had a fan in Australia named Taylor watch the whole thing. I sleep talk at night, so uh, when we got... <laughs> It was a weird period in the tour where we actually got to sleep at home for once, so we slept at the band house, and uh, I set up the live stream right in front of me. I fell asleep, and she's on Australia, so it's daytime for her. She stayed up and waited for me to sleep talk. Oh, my <laughs> Just while gosh. she was doing her work throughout the day, she was watching our live stream, yeah. and... Eventually, I started sleep talking and going crazy, and it was, she kept track of it. I was, like, terrified to do the 72-hour live stream at first. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to really watch what we say. Not that we're going to say anything that bad, but, you know, you don't want to obviously offend anybody or anything like that. And, uh, or be gross. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just, you know, do yeah, anything. <laughs> but uh, it ended up being so much fun. Like, it really was. I wasn't worried about, like, you know, saying something crazy or doing something gross. It was like, it's like when the camera's there, you realize it, and, you know, you're not being... I just thought it would get in the way, but I actually enjoyed when I would have my time yeah. with the camera. I would just, if I'm driving, I'd sit the camera down, I'd have, like, 13 people just sitting there just watching. Just yeah. I guess they're just into it, you know, just hanging out with them. Yeah. So. It, it was a lot of fun, and we will do it again at some point. Uh, the original idea was to do a whole tour live-streamed, like from beginning to end, the whole tour, every second that we're awake, live stream it. It's a lot of bandwidth. Yeah, yeah nobody's but, phone could handle that. Oh yeah, we, yeah, our phones are all. Trash. I'm on cricket. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have an Android, so there's no way. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 seven. Wow. That's, yeah. that's putting yourself out there. Seventy-two hour live stream. Yep. Yeah. Watching People watching you sleep. Yeah. What was the what was the guy's name? Dro- not, uh, Droogie. Droogie. Yeah. Big old uh, Megadeth fan. Yeah. He was there the whole time. The entire time. Kayla in Australia. Ashley in uh in Virginia Beach, those were some of the big ones. There were some people that would hang out. They hung out for the longest time, but then they didn't stay for the finale. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they didn't make it. Yeah. Here's something I want to ask you that it's taken me uh, an hour and forty five minutes to do. <laughs> uh, what what's your favorite bands? What, what kind of music do you like? Goodness. Uh, uh, my favorite band that's similar to us i'd say is this band called the parlor mob and i'm actually not too sure how active they are have you ever heard of them before they're from new jersey i really suggest checking them out they're a five piece and it's parlor mob the parlor mob yes and it's it's in the it's kind of in the vein of greta van fleet to some degree but there it'll give you some white stripes vibes some jack white type vibes and stuff like that love stuff like that uh, I'm I'm personally a huge fan of Mastodon. I uh, yeah, that's that's a huge one for me since I've been in high school. Braun's been on the podcast. Braun has. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I oh, love yeah. him. Yeah, that's like one of my drumming heroes. Yeah. So. yeah, I met him one time and I I ruined it. That was so bad. I'll, I'll tell you my Braun story after we do this. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll explain a few and then just give a speed round because they're too many. I don't listen to a lot of bands, but like the ones I do. I listen to like I'm not a big one on a what once I like my things I don't really explore outside of that it takes yeah. a lot for me to get into a new band but growing up big ones for me that got me into it were ACDC yeah. Zeppelin of course Van Halen a lot of the classic rock now as I grew up I got into more modern rock and expanded my horizons and stuff a lot of those bands include of course Jack White the White Stripes anything he's in the Raconteurs uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, uh, Arctic Monkeys, Oasis, mm. uh, 
what else? Has Muse right. not come up? Muse. Muse is one of my favorite bands ever. I will fight anybody that doesn't Love like Love their latest won't stand down. It is uh, some oh, of the yeah. best guitar from them. Dude, uh, so heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, Definitely one know. of the heaviest songs yeah. they've ever done. That, that band single-handedly kept me playing music uh, when I was like 16, you know. I was like, you know, maybe it's time for me to, you know, go down a different path, you know, maybe get like an actual job, you know, because I'm not really doing much in music or whatever. <laughs> then that's when uh, Muse Live at Rome Olympic Stadium came out on their second Law Tour, yeah. playing in front of 90,000 people. It came with a Blu-ray and a live CD. I found it on YouTube, and watching that concert single-handedly made me go, that's what I'm going to do. I don't care. I've got to do that. I'm going mm. to keep... It made me, like, tingle in the face. It still makes me giddy to watch it to this day. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I thank or blame Muse for doing this uh, is still to be seen, <laughs> but right now it seems pretty thankful vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Muse is a big one. Uh, yeah, and there's just endless names I could oh, say, yeah. but those are, if I said them now, those are the big ones. For me, I am I am heavy metal, death metal, speed metal. I'm like, really into this band right now called Lorna Shore. Oh, okay, so they've, one. from what I've understood, they've exploded lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They went, you know, if they, I think they played, they had a show at the Masquerade. They had to keep upgrading the stage because they just, there was so much demand. Yeah, they're playing Lollapalooza, like too. And, and they're uh, heavy. They're very heavy. Oh, dude. Yeah. Will Ramos, the singer. Um, listen to um, to the Hellfire. It's off the latest EP. That, that's like, probably the one I heard. What yeah. he does with his, ah, I mean, like, it is just like the heaviest shit I've ever heard in my life. Okay, tell me if I got this right, because... I think I have a I have so many people on my Facebook I don't know because when the band was developing I would go to all these different groups and stuff and just add so many random people just to try to get my stuff seen on Facebook. So but I got a lot of like guys that are into the hardcore stuff on my Facebook. And so I think I got to kind of see a little bit of Lorna Shore when they were first like developing and really coming up. They've been through a, two singers now, right? Yeah, yeah. Will Ramos came in in twenty twenty one. Was there somebody else other than those two? No, I think it was just he's the second singer. Okay, something happened with the first singer. I don't think it was, like, some crazy controversy, but something happened. And everybody was talking about, like, if you have to go through some type of big change in your band to pay attention to how Lorna Shore handled that, I'm not ex- I'm not exactly sure how they did, but apparently they handled this big change in the band, which is your singer. I mean, it's one of the most vital parts of your band. They handled it so well to, like, have the momentum they have now after changing their original singer. That's just crazy, but there are a lot of bands whose second singer you don't even remember the first. Yeah, anymore. Bruce Dickinson, Iron Maiden, yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, George Corpse, Grinder Fisher with uh, Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know uh, there was one before. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Slipknot. What was that? Wait, Anders. What? His name was like Anders something. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I didn't know. even know that one. Well, yeah. on, the only original member left in Slipknot, I think, is Clown. I mean, really? if, I, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Damn, yeah. I thought as integral as Corey Taylor is to the whole operation, I thought he was like original, original. Yeah, they I mean, had an album called like Mate Feed Kill Repeat, and it was like a lot of different people in the band. I mean, ACDC have had three singers. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's so many bands. I was listening to this uh, the other day. They were doing. I was listening to a series of. You know the greatest second singers of all time. There's so many bands. Oh, I want to. I want to do a podcast on this sometime. I am doing a. Awesome. I am doing a podcast pretty soon with a three-person panel, uh, three different members from three different bands here in Atlanta. We're talking '90s metal. Ooh. Okay, oh, that yeah, sounds yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, it's I gonna have be, to tune into that. Yeah, one. yeah, it's gonna be this cool panel discussing and all. It's gonna be great. But uh, my biggest thing that I go to, my favorite bands, 
are probably the big four. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, Metallica, Megadeth, uh, Slayer, Anthrax. Who's your favorite of the big four? Metallica is probably my in my top two favorite bands of all time, but Slayer is my favorite band of the big four. All right, let me get your opinion. Okay, so the album, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Diabola something in Musica, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how you say that? I have no idea. I don't know. But <laughs> they had, okay, so that's when Dave Lombardo had stepped away from the band, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 my dad had that album when I was a kid on a CD and I like took it and was listening to it and I fell in love with it. I thought it was awesome. That was the only Slayer I ever knew for the longest yeah. time for some reason. And, uh, but now looking online, people don't really seem to like that album. They thought it was a weird misstep in their, you know, uh, career. Um, cause it's not as thrash or whatever. I loved it. I thought it was oh, great. Oh, I Slayer, man. I just, oh, <laughs> just, it just, I just want to melt. But I'm mm. the kind of guy too, I, maybe I'm a little weird because I would love to have like Lorna Shore to the Hellfire, that scream of fucking heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to be sitting in a dark room with strobe lights going with that music playing. If I, if I, it's calming to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's just, that. it's so. And then Pantera, of course. Oh, you know, oh, oh duh, yeah. Motherfucking Pantera. Mm-hmm. You can't beat Pantera, dude. No. There is something. I got down bag on the wall of our home studio, man. And of mm-hmm. course, Phil, you know, a second singer. Yeah, he was not yeah, the original. Is. I didn't know. Power Metal was his first album with them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so I think so. I think Dream Theater is a second singer band. That's not their original singer. Um, I a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. Maybe right. next time y'all come on, I'll save this segment for the next time y'all come on because yeah. mm-hmm. we know y'all are going to be back. We'll do so, the second singer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here's my Brian Daler story. Oh, I, good, I swear yes. we're almost yes. done. We're almost done. We're almost oh. done. Yeah, I could go all night. Um, <laughs> So I was getting paid for a year by a production company while I was working here at the station uh, to MC concerts once a month at the Claremont Lounge, the strip club here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And uh, dumbest thing ever, they did not need an MC because people that are going to the Claremont Lounge, you know it's a nostalgia place, right? You know, the Claremont Lounge, you know, it is a landmark. So uh, is that the place they're not going for, like, stripper strippers? They're going for, like, different types of strippers? They're going for the nostalgia of the strippers. It's like, you know, it's like Blondie, who's got the huge tits. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing crushing beer cans. Yeah. Yeah. And so this production company was doing um, once-a-month concerts there, so they paid me, you know, Hundred dollars cash to come out there at night, which I'm really only taking sixty home because it was twenty dollars for the Uber there, twenty dollars on the way back. Mm-hmm. I did have my own um, bucket of PBR that said Jackson's PBR every time I went. That was okay. fun. Okay. And of course, the way I, I gave back to Claremont, you know, because I am a man that you know, I am a generous man. I am a charitable man. Mm-hmm. My way of giving back was getting a lap dance before I laughed every night. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I give back to yeah, the people right? exactly. <laughs> And so, Broad Daler's wife is playing that night. Uh, I can't remember what her... What it's, not, it's not Kitty. It's, no. Uh, I can't remember. It's it's like the same word twice. Uh, yeah, I've seen it before. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. yeah. And so, I'm him seeing that show. And then I'm like, that's Broad Daler. And so, I, I just, you know, go up and I start talking. And I'm like, hey, man, big fan of Mastodon. Y'all are making Atlanta so proud. Uh, doing big things, and I was like, would love to have you on my podcast. By the way, you know, being on the radio gives me, you know, it gives bands a little more, um, you know, um, not eagerness, but they're more okay with saying yes to coming on and interviewing with me, mm-hmm. you know, saying, you know, I work for Rock 100.5 and I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so we go do, um, a, we did a live podcast at Scofflaw Brewery, who sponsored the podcast. We just did this live thing, got smashed <laughs> while, uh, while, um, Doing the interview, and then he's like, "Hey, man, we got a show at Coca-Cola Roxy. You're on the list. You're backstage." 
And I'm like, it's awesome. And so I take a buddy of mine, big Mastodon fan, get the code called Roxy. Mm-hmm. He never put me on the friggin' list. Oh, no. <laughs> I, get, I get there, and I'm like, yeah, we're on uh, uh, the Mastodon backstage list. They're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, you get in touch with Braun Taylor. You tell Braun I'm right here right now. <laughs> and then, of course, they had just some fucking runner or something come up and pretended like he talked to Braun. And he's like, yeah, sorry, we can't get you on the list tonight, but here's some tickets. No. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, and then oh. I, I emailed him, and he emailed me. He's like, hey, never saw you backstage. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like but I, I tried. And then I, I let it go from there. I let yeah. it go. I hold no hard feelings towards Bron Daler because yeah. I know being that big, you know, you got a lot yeah. going on too. Yeah. Especially yeah. the hometown show. You yeah, know, yeah. A- I'll give you my quick Bron Daler story. This one's hilarious. <laughs> I was in high school and like me, I don't know like how popular Macedon was with like high school age kids back then, but me and my group of friends, we were obsessed with Macedon. Like I was, dr- I like literally would like take fashion ideas from Bron Daler. Like I wanted to be like him. That's how it was with the Arctic Monkey. Yeah, I freaking love that dude. But uh, we went to go see him. Me and my dad, my brother, went to go see him, uh, Mastodon, at the music farm in Charleston. And when we were walking out of the parking garage, where they parked the vans was actually kind of like part of the parking garage, which was kind of weird to me. And we saw Braun walking from somewhere back to his, uh, no, did I say van? I meant bus. Yeah, t- <laughs> they're not in a van. <laughs> but he walked Braun's into his bus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he was walking back to his bus. And my dad was like, he's like, there's Braun. Do you want to meet him? You want to meet him? I was like, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. And he was like, no, we're going to meet him. And then he was like, Braun, Braun. My dad was like, what's his name? Like, <laughs> looking like a dad with his like, like white New Balances on and his socks, like running there, waving Braun down. And Braun, I get, I mean, I'm sure the man's a busy man. He was not, I don't think he was necessarily trying to hang out right then, right there. Cause he was at his bus trying to get the door open, like, like get, try to get away from us. Like we're zombies. And like, I guess whatever was going on, cause it was like a school bus door. So like he couldn't like pull it open like he was trying to yeah. do. So he turned around, he hung out with us for a second. But I was dumb and in high school, and so I'm just so giddy and excited. There was this YouTube video of Braun at the Guitar Center drum off playing a piece of music with Danny Carey of Tool. Now, just because it was at the Guitar Center drum off doesn't mean it was a drum off. It was not a competition. They were just playing music together. <laughs> the drum off was later in the night, but yeah. I was, I'm dumb, and I was like, oh, that was like a drum off. And I went up to him. I was like, dude fuck Danny Carey, like, you you played so much better than him, he's like, nothing, and then he was like, Danny Carey's like a pretty good friend of mine, he's like, he's, that wasn't really like a competition or anything, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, if it was, like, you were like way better, and he was like, yeah, sure, and then we took a picture with him, I was like, I, I butchered that, <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking. Hopefully we'll be able to redeem that. I don't think he'll remember me. Like I, exactly. I, I, if he does remember that, which I hope he doesn't. I hope he's he met a lot of stupid does. people. But yeah, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I think I can start we'll make fresh up for that. Yeah, you know, as long I really, as you don't remember it. I really respected Rob Brown when he showed up to Scofflaw for our interview. He showed up in an Uber X. He didn't show up in an Uber Black. He showed up at the Nissan Sentra, dropped him off. Yeah. My dude's a multi-millionaire, and he's, yeah. he's taking an Uber X. See, I drive for Uber X sometimes, so that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it'll tell you the name of the person. We won't tell you anything else but their name, so I guess you have like, the slightest idea of what to expect. If I saw Braun, I'd be like, oh, oh, lordy. Uh, I'm taking this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ron, will you listen to my demo? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Oh god. <laughs> I've, I've definitely been that kid at a show. You hand your demo to a to one of the opening bands. That's yeah. like yeah. That's, I mean, I've, yeah. Every yeah. hasn't every band done that at some point. Oh yeah. 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 My old band did that with Rival Sons. They played at Masquerade. Oh, Rival Sons. Yeah. We uh, Chase once yeah. again from the Thrill and CEO. Uh, our old band. He, he walked up. He bummed a cigarette from the singer, and he's uh, <laughs> like just. Trying to like make conversation. It's funny. I wouldn't have had the strength to do that because he very well could have said no. Exactly, that would have been scary. That's the worst oh. he can do. Yeah. Well, speaking of the whole reason we uh, we're doing <laughs> this, y'all have a show with the CEO coming up. We sure exactly. do. Yes. I got to pull double duty that night because I'm yeah. in both bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna make sure I got the date right. Huh? Yeah, uh, April 23rd okay. at 37 Main Avondale. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, yeah. Got Silly Goose opening the show. Yes. I've heard only good things. I've not heard their music yet, They're, but I've heard they go hard. An Atlanta local band, yep. yes. Atlanta local band, yeah. younger dudes. Uh, I'm excited to hear them. Yeah. Uh, all I've heard is that they kick ass. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited to see that. And then us, of course. Then the CEO with a Vinnie Hornsby of Seven Dust and on this bass. This is like debut CB- CEO. Yeah, right? this is the yeah. first CEO show ever. And, uh, or, you know, uh, since the album uh, in its current form, and it's going to be a good one. This is one you do not want to miss. Anybody that's listening yeah. right now, you know what we should have done? We should have, like, this is, like, two hours. Mm-hmm. Been doing. Yeah. And we should have, like, by now, like, someone, like, if we had, if we were really rich, been like, hey, by the way, we're giving away $1,000 right now for anybody that uh, has been listening for two hours. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, there you do get a trillion dollars if you come to the show. But, exactly, like, you, you got to yeah. go, though. Yeah. You, you have the chance, if you come to this show— you have a chance of becoming the world's first trillionaire. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the most legally non-binding way we can yeah. you know incentivize people. Yeah, I mean like there's a chance all your dreams could come true if you come to the show. Yeah. I mean like I'm not going to like I'm not going to tell you how they correlate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm y'all know I'm gonna be at that April 23rd show, even though oh, yeah. I might my wife might be going into labor then. I don't know. Mm. She, she, so she's due May 8th on Mother's Day, but he's oh. measuring two weeks and four days ahead. So I don't oh, know. Yeah. Baby's first concert, dude. Yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> bring, I mean, I, I got a shirt made for him that says because they called me. I told you all they called me Atlanta's yeah. Rock Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Got a shirt made for him that says Atlanta's Little Rock Ambassador. <laughs> oh, that's cute as hell. And I can't wait, man, to take him to shows and all that. Oh, it's gonna mm. be so cool. You be that cool dad that I oh, see yeah. at Iron Maiden shows with his like five year old son walking mm. around. Oh, yeah. The, the, the thing I have mm. to deal with though, my wife is ex- this is my wife. Oh, very pretty. Yes. So I know I'm gonna have to deal with like my son having like friends. It's like, oh, Cooper, your mom's so hot. And I don't know if <laughs> kids are gonna say that. My wife is. Yeah. He's the best, man. That's like my girlfriend's mom. mom. Hey, everybody's after her. We love us some, uh, Seth's girlfriend's mom. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know if I should name. Her. I can't say much. Do both yeah. of y'all have girlfriends? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Indeed. Long, long time, long term. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are Four we considering the uh, the next step at some point? Indubitably. Uh, Bo, I don't know if you are or not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, many rock bands have used the words indubitably. indubitably. Oh, I use indubitably. That is, that is a great word. Often. That is that is a word. Yeah. You know what? Damn it, I keep trying to end this freaking interview and then I keep coming up with things I want to talk about. Exactly. This is pissing me off. Vocabulary is very important. Yeah, don't even Lost skills. I read a recent thing about lost skills, proper grammar, you know, using long words, map reading. Yeah, I love map. That's something that me and you talk about. Nerd. 
Yeah. My, my vocabulary, I think you said yours too. Mine's gotten worse. I don't know when or how or why. I used to talk better. Like, I I don't know how to put that, but I used to, like, when I talked, I could use better words. Oh, I have a timeline of when mine started to decline. Yeah. The peak of my vocabulary was uh, the middle of 2020 because I was reading a lot. You know, I had a lot yeah. of time. Then after a while, I just stopped caring. And then, of course, it was 2020, so you weren't going out a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped. I wasn't talking to a lot of people. I wasn't exercising my vocabulary that often. And then it just started to decline harshly. To the point where I speak worse than I did before 2020 yeah. when my vocabulary, you know, blew up exponentially. Yeah. It's one of those things, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Because, like, if I, if I have months, I'm talking to people, and I'm good, and I'm social, and the vocab's there, I go, like, a week without really talking to anybody. I get so clunky. I don't know how to talk. I used to know Weird. what ferocity means. I don't know what That's that a means dinosaur. anymore. I used, yeah. to, I, I used to use words like uh, ferocious. I mean, that's not a word. Yeah. I mean, that's not a big word. Sorry, I don't know. That's still a good one. I haven't heard I, that. I used in a while, to be yeah. more too. I used to. I used to, yeah. I used to dress better, and, and like now I'm just like fuck it, whatever. I'm trying to make a comeback. Yeah, I'm trying. Like you, I think you said this too. I, I want to. When I go out, I don't usually care about what I wear. But what's the fun in that? Wear your good clothes when you go out. You go into Walmart. Everybody needs to think you cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I noticed when I got married, and especially now that I'm dead, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll go out, uh, you know, in sweatpants or, yeah. like, you know, just whatever. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I got a hot-ass wife at home. Yeah. I got all that. I'm good. I'm you could put on the white New Balances with the white oh, socks yeah. in the car. Goes. I know yeah. I'm going to be the corny dad making the corny jokes. Oh, yeah. That's the beauty like, of it. Yeah. You know, my son will be a teenage, you know, and he'll be hanging out with his friends. I'm dropping him off. I'm like, what's up, bros? Yeah. How y'all doing? Yeah. That's <laughs> something about fatherhood I would look forward to. Just <laughs> being that just yeah. painfully annoying dad. <laughs> oh, no. Keep it cool, bros. Keep yeah. it cool. Like yeah. Jimmy Neutron's dad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard <laughs> Jimmy Neutron yeah. in years. Oh. oh, my God. That was a good show I right there. That show. I miss quality television of back in the day. Same. We had it good. We had it good growing up. Yeah. It's not the same now. I've tried. I've given it. A sh- I've gave it a shot with these new cartoons. It's just not the same. It's, it's really, really not. not. It's kind of tragic. Old SpongeBob compared to new SpongeBob, it's not the same show. Not it's the not. same. Really not. Yeah. I I remember you know watching. I watched the decline of Cartoon Network as a child. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I, I was alive during the heyday. Those were my golden years as a child, and yeah. then. As, as I started to get older, that's when they started pumping out this garbage. And I was like, I can't. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of forced me in adult into adulthood. Old shows yeah. of Disney, like Boy Meets World, Smart Guy, yeah. uh, even Stevens. Yeah. Y'all watch any of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those were good stuff, man. What was Recess on? That wasn't, that wasn't that Nickelodeon. Nick- it wasn't, though, was, was it? it? You remember Recess? You don't remember that one? Uh, it was it was very, it was like one of those ones you didn't really see unless you you called in or you were sick and you didn't go to school. Yeah, and it was on like PBS. It was PBS. I'm pretty sure. Maybe yeah. it was one of those like very like yeah you miss school type of cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Like Cyber Chase. I know. remember being sick with chicken pox and I binge watched uh, Ned's Declassified School Survival, school survival Guide. Solid. Yeah, solid. That was yeah. my jam. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand these networks got to change, and you can't keep doing the same thing forever. But it's just like it was—it's painful to see those go. They're, like they're Ed, Ed, and Eddie. There's never going to be another Ed, Ed, and Eddie. There will you know? never be. Uh, it was so yeah. crude. Rocky Power. Oh, oh of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. like Tito. Yeah, whatever they did. Yeah, that was good quality television. Yeah, it was. Right, yeah. yeah, and they had great video games of that. That stuff. was all trash. 
Yeah. yeah. Trash. All these kids <laughs> in the just, trash. What these kids are watching. They doing too much now. Like, bring it back to the basics. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. They, We're definitely going to have another conversation at some oh, point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We need to. You guys are going to be back on very soon. If we get the rest of the too. band, it'll be, yeah, there'll oh, be yeah. too much going you, on. You only have half the band right now. I, I know, from, and yeah. I purposely do. I, I do that with bands anyway. I said, hey, yeah. only give me two members, but especially with you guys, because I knew if yep. I had the whole band in here, this would have gone. This would have gone full. 17 hours, dude. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have got anything done. <laughs> oh yeah. It would have been a zero productivity episode. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Well, seven year witch, episode one hundred and two of the Scope Podcast. I don't want to end it. I don't want to end it. How but do I? but, mm. but I, I, good things must come to a close. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's so. Yeah. Can I honestly say I was so glad to meet y'all? Likewise, I'm glad to meet man. you, brother. This yes. was awesome. It was Likewise, a good old time. This has been yes. awesome. I hope y'all had fun. I know I did. And uh, I cannot wait to just keep uh, getting to know you guys, yeah. stay in touch. I can't wait to see you live uh, in April with the CEO at Great 37 Main, Avondale Estates. I wish I could come to California and see y'all at the Whiskey A Go-Go. That would be the coolest thing ever. If you make the trip out there, we'll have a beer. Oh, yeah. man. Out, I man. think we forgot to tell you, you are coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're actually going to bag you up and steal yeah. you from your newborn child and wife and hey, I tell force my you wife, out there. That'd probably be the only way she'd let me go, <laughs> is if y'all, if y'all were kidnapped. And we'll take me. the blame. We're hey, down. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just you got to take one for the team, correct? Yeah, yeah exactly. Please, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Until next time, rock on, rock hard. Heck yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Skadoosh. Man, this is breaking my heart. This is bra- I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't. All right. All right. We're pre- all right. Goodbye.